The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Broadcasting live from the Toscano Cigar Soundstage in Salem, New Hampshire, USA. And broadcasting around the world, this is the Cigar Authority. Transmitting since 2010, the Cigar Authority is the longest-lasting cigar podcast ever. Grab a cigar and light them up, light them up, light them up. This is the Cigar Authority. March 28, 2020, live from the Toscano Cigar Soundstage, the owner, founder of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, Steve Saka, joins us as we get uncomfortable with some questions and answers. Welcome, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority, now in its 10th year, making it the longest continually running cigar podcast. Awarded the Ambassadors of Cigars by Cigar Journal Magazine. Awarded the Top 10 Educational Podcast by Podbean four years in a row. The Cigar Authority is the most listened to cigar podcast in the world. Cigar Radio at its finest. The Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. And you catch the podcast on demand at any time or our daily blog at thecigarauthority.com. Steve Saka's travels plans got ruined. And what else is he going to do? He's a local, so he says, uh, I'll come on the show. Thank you, Steve, for joining us. But my question is, why when I come on the show... Is there always, like, something that I end up being the butt of? I mean, you know, Rafael Nodell comes on, and he's like, welcome as a heralded hero. Yeah. You know, me, it's, oh, uncomfortable (laughs) questions. Well, it's because you're a dick. Oh, that's the reason. Ah, okay. All right, let's do this, man. No, we got to try to make it entertaining, and we'll see where it goes. And you have the right, by the way, uh, and we'll get to it in the the next half hour, all the questions. But you have the right to um, obviously say, uh, I'm not going to answer that. Ridiculous yeah, well, I, I kind of know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big boy. I can do it. Um, here it is, the coronavirus. Uh, we have no studio audience today, uh, as it's going to be till May 4th, they're saying, uh, which is a long way off. We're talking five weeks, and uh, we're going to get into the after show about that. How is this affecting the cigar world? We'll stay away from it during this show, except for um, to say that we are doing curbside. We're not allowed to come into the store curbside, which means come up, tell us what you want, call us on the phone, whatever, and we bring it out to your car for you, and uh, at least um, we'll keep our people employed is the idea. Well, and, and what, a, what a service to our customers. They have been so very grateful as they're pulling up. We thank them for their business, but they thank us for our service. It, it's happened to every customer this morning. Hey, maybe the best is going to come out of people. We'll see. It's either the best or the worst. Uh, pe- people are making a choice right now to be nice about this or to be assholes about it, and I've seen both. But uh, that being said, um, let's pass the cigar down for each one. Try not to touch the top of it because we are trying to stay as clean as and away from each other as possible. Yeah, because we we're practicing social distancing yeah. up here. We have three gigantic guys and and it's the the little Oreo stuff in, yeah. in this in this particular situation with Jonathan. And why do I, why am I always the butt of the skinny jokes? I mean, did you guys see that study though by Yale talking about herd uh, herd herd immunity? Yeah, that part of any virus ultimately for it to fizzle out is actually going to require uh, the bulk of the public to eventually catch it. Yes. It's a rather interesting study. In fact, oh. it has uh, it even had uh, Governor uh, Cuomo, you know, making mention that he's thinking. I think everybody is making decisions given the circumstances they have at the moment. Right, and I think that 
as we go through this, we're going to end up having realizing in hindsight that there are some things we could have done differently or of better. Of course. And I hope they change as they learn things. Don't just say, okay, we said May 4th. Right. We're staying with May 4th. You don't have to do that. I was surprised by the May 4th declaration here in New Hampshire. Um, I know our governor was resistant to it. We have currently only had about 130 cases. The day before we said, I will not do it. Right. And the thing is, so, but I understand the political pressure to do it. And I can also understand the public health concerns, so I can understand that perspective, too. What I was surprised by is that he just came out from, I'm not doing it to May 4th, that it's going to yeah. be 40 days into the future. I, I would have felt much better as a New Hampshire business had he said, okay, it's going to be April 10th. And then we'll on April see. 9th, he comes back and says, okay, it's going to be April 17th. And yeah. then he comes back. It would have kind of like given me hope as compared to, oh, my God, my <laughs> business can't do any business for 40 days straight. Which is enough to cripple anybody. Oh, it was, it was a gut punch when I read yeah. that, to be yeah. honest with you. All right. I want to light up. Barry, what are we smoking today? Well, today's first cigar is the Aging Room Pure Supper, and it's manufactured in Nicaragua by Aging Room Cigars. The size that we're lighting up is a 6x54 Meso, which is a Toro. And it's a Nicaraguan Puro. It is part of the Cigar Authority Care Package Prime, and a single cigar will set you back $13.39, while a box of 20 is $237.99, or it's $11.90 a single, which is a savings of almost $30 or 11% off the box price on twoguyscigars.com. If you're too far away from a brick and mortar retailer that carries it, try twoguyscigars.com. That's the number two, guyscigars.com. All right. Steve, you're going to join us with the cigar? I am. Oh, beautiful. Okay, it's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by our friends at Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand, while all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Mr. Jonathan's going to sneeze. Uh, thinking about it. Thinking about it? I sniffed the foot. I shouldn't do that. This what, is the wrong time to be sneezing. And what fabric is the cigar manufactured? Is it, what was the question? Well, what, what fabric is the cigar manufactured? Uh, I'm not sure who makes it, but it's made in Nicaragua. I would guess AJ, no. I don't, I'm not sure if this one's AJ or, or one of the uh, other factories. All right. You can look that up while uh, we're talking because that was your job ahead to... Uh, I don't know if he discloses it. To ah, non-disclosures, okay. Okay, all Nicaraguan Puro, and um, this is not the one that became Cigar Aficionado Cigar of the Year, although though that was a Nicaraguan. It's made at Placencia. Okay. We got uh, Scott checking in on text, letting us know that he is watching Sag Oh, thanks, Squatch. Scott. <laughs> thanks, um, Speaking as a Sasquatch, we have it right here, and we're doing a promotion on it. You're doing this... A not everywhere, but you got a whole list of stores that yeah, look, are doing it. Look, we look more than half of our accounts are currently closed. Yeah, and of the other half, they're all obviously wondering what the future is. Yeah, um, so we made these available to retailers if they wanted to buy them. Or really normally part of, it was only part an of event, a, right? Event only, and it yeah. wasn't. They didn't really buy them. It was tied into um, purchasing of cigars. So we had maybe forty, maybe fifty retailers across the country take advantage of it. But uh, obviously, I don't blame anyone for not yeah. because I mean the circumstances are the circumstances. But I, I think from what I'm getting feedback on is uh, retailers are doing really well with them. It's helping it helps. them. It helps them. It it's helps. something. And, and look, Thank I have, you. and in every given year, I have thousands of people that ask me how do i get one and our answer has always been 
at an event. Yeah. But the problem is you live in South Dakota. There's never an event. Yeah. I did my very first event ever in Indiana this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've been in business for five years. So you can't be everywhere all the time. So it kind of gives a way for a customer to get one of these uh, statues. And how did I get it, Barry? Uh, if you go on to twoguyscigars.com and you order 25 or more of uh, Steve Saka's cigars. You can mix and match. Do anything ex- you want. Excluding the... Uh, What's the one? Umbagog. Umbagog. Umbagog, yeah. So 25 excluding Umbagog, you'll get a sack of Squatch. We have 14 of them in stock. Um, if you order them and we're out of them, I will call you to let you know that we ran out of the sack of Squatches, <laughs> and then you'll have a chance to keep your order or what have you. Okay. So don't think I'm going to order it and if they're out of it, I'm screwed. I will call you and let you know we ran out. Okay. And I might still have a few more. Look, I, we haven't done an image. Look, this has been the craziest week. I don't know what's in the warehouse and what's not in the warehouse because simul- when you say warehouse, do you mean your shed? No, no, no. I have I have five thousand square foot. Wow. Yeah, no, this is this is actually a real business. Real business. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna light our cigar today with the Vertigo Sputnik. There I am. The Vertigo Sputnik is single action, meaning you do have to physically flip the top. You got three jets powered by the patented Vertigo big-ass tank, an easy adjustment wheel at the bottom, and double wall protection so the lighter never heats up to burn your pocket. The Vertigo Sputnik retails for $9.99. So, Steve, you see how he says this is single action? Yeah, I heard that conversation, actually. So, as a gun guy, is that that a single action? As a gun guy, a single action means in order to... Complete the steps you need to take an individual action. So on a single action gun, um, on a pistol or a revolver, you would pull the hammer back and then you would squeeze the trigger. It requires two things. Where double action is you pull the trigger and it will cock the hammer and also fire the gun. It'll do both things is what double action is. So So what typically happens in like a pistol is people will rack around and if they leave the gun cocked, it's called locked and cocked, then the first trigger pull would be single action, but the second trigger pull would be double action because it's doing both steps. It's drawing the hammer back, and it's also releasing the hammer down onto the round. Should I demonstrate this with a desk pop right now? Don't do a desk pop. Because we have we no studio audience. We haven't done a it would desk be, pop you in a long done time. One, no, it's been a long time. It was March 17th, uh, last year, 2019. Yeah, I, I've never heard the term used before, Mr. Jonathan, as far as lighters goes. Well, you're welcome. So as far as I'm concerned, he can set the standard, right? He's the one that uses the go. word. <laughs> so right. if he wants to claim this is double action, single action, go for it. All right, so let's jump into the industry stuff. Uh, the beginning, of, I, I want to go back into the uh, beginning of Steve Soccer, into this industry. Oh, the, God. Yep, we're going to go to the very beginning, Why? 1996. It's like this is your life or something. It is. 1996 to 1999, Cigar Nexus. Tell us about that. What was Cigar Nexus? Me and, me and Ed know that very well. Yeah, what Cigar Nexus was, look, here in hindsight, um, I guess I was the very first, like, real cigar blogger. Right. But it was, you know, what, a good 20 years before the term had ever been invented. Yeah. Um, I had this website. I had uh, two of my friends. Um, one of them was actually named Johnny Drew. His real name was John Zunsky. He did all the graphics and art and the HTML coding. Because that's back when you used to actually have to code HTML right. line by line. Yeah. And, um, and then an- another friend of mine, John Chunko. Um, he was the one that was supplying the cash to support the endeavor. And we had this cigar website. And 
It was it was more something to fill time. It was something to take our cigar expenses and expense them against as a company ah. so that we could get the tax deduction for smoking cigars. But we really never treated it like a real business. Was there advertising? I think um, there was one advertiser, but it was the company that John owned. Okay, it was a humidor company, and I don't even know if he ever sold one humidor. <laughs> it was it was it was the point of Cigar Nexus was not really. It was a way to justify our craziness for cigars. So you were counterculture before there was a culture. I guess. I don't even know <laughs> what it was. Uh, it's just, uh, and honestly, you know, I look at some, you can't, it, look, the site's dead. It's long gone. You can't find it. But if you go into the, whatever, the way back time machine, I think you would be surprised by some of the content that was on oh, Cigar Nexus. I would, unbelievable. I would actually argue it was probably one of the most comprehensive sites. Yeah. And I think today... It would still be one of the most comprehensive sites. And the thing is, a lot of the things that we published on that has been copied and recopied. And uh, it's all over the internet on a million other sites where sometimes I would get credit for those things I wrote. But most of the times I wouldn't. And I don't have a problem with that. But a lot of the information that's out there on the internet is actually stuff that I was, John and I were generating Back in the uh, in the nineties, yep. And you were just a consumer. Yeah, you had a, re- a regular business. And yeah, 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 yeah. No, I no, I, I had no, I had no intention of actually physically getting into the cigar business. Okay, then comes the year two thousand and um, the year two thousand. Jr. two thousand or two thousand four. Four years, you go on to um, Jr. as a consultant. Yeah, I got um, I got hired as an executive consultant. I worked directly at the. Uh, the behest of Lou Rothman, who was the owner, I was a little bit of an island on to myself. It was one of the reasons why I wasn't actually an employee. Um, and uh, I primarily worked on the uh, the internet side of things, you know, because that was in the very early days. I mean, people were trying to sell cigars online, but they didn't have the real-time inventory controls. They didn't have the, uh, you know, they weren't even thinking about, we call it social media now. But it was just a, a, any media footprint in any way whatsoever, you know. So that was my primary task. But I pretty much I did a lot of neat things when I was there. It was a it was a really uh, it was a really great experience. I learned an awful lot, and it was a great family owned and run company. And uh, I really enjoyed I enjoyed my time at Jr. Cigar. Is there any truth to the story that you were brought in there to gear up for the Cuban embargo being lifted? I don't I don't believe that's the case. I mean, I mean obviously for Lou because back then, you know, in the 90s, I was probably one of the premier experts in Cuban cigars in the United States. That certainly is not true today. Um I haven't followed the way I followed it back then, but I you'd have to ask Lou that question if that was part of the reason why he thought it would be wise to have me around, you know, because I was right as much as I was writing about um what we classify as new world cigars, I was writing just as much about old world cigars. And, you know, it's Cigar Nexus. We're the ones that, you know, not only broke the box codes, but when they changed all the Cuban box codes, we're the ones 30 days later that broke the code on the new box right. codes. it was unbelievable. It actually caused a bit of a tizzy at Habanos. You know, they were actually throwing my name around, you know, going, well, who is this guy? You know, right. where is he getting this information? What, is it, what does it mean to break the box codes? I've never understood that. Um, well, there's always been on the bottom of box, on Cuban boxes, there have been a factory and a date code. But they never just said, like, okay, so like on a box of Sobra Mesa, it tells you the factory it's made, and it tells you a date code of 
whatever this date is on the bottom of my box, that represents the youngest possible cigar in this box. Gotcha. Odd, in my case, most of the cigars in the box are actually about two months older, but we lose track of the date time when we put them on the color sorting table for the final color sort because now you have cigars coming from multiple wheels that you're trying to make one perfect looking box out of so when i put this date on it what that is is during that entire pack out period if there was just one wheel that came from november of 2019 then every cigar that day when it gets packed has to be stamped november 2019 the reality is probably almost always the cigars in these boxes are about two to three months older except for one wheel of 50 that got scattered between 400 boxes they were packing on that given day. According to that's the way you are saying this is going, or that is the industry standard? No, no, no. Everybody has their own thing. Most people don't put date codes. Right. But the Cubans would put a code for the factory, and the Cubans would put a date for the code. And in the case of Cuban cigars, the date and the factory were really important because Cuban cigars aren't like our cigars. So all sober mesa are made of Hoya Nicaragua. It's one factory. You know exactly what you're going to get from a consistency point of view, from a manufacturing point of view. Where with so many Cuban brands, they're made at multiple factories. And some brands like Monte Cristo, I mean, at one point during the boom, they were claiming that they were making them at over 60 different locations throughout Cuba. And the bottom line was... Certain factories just made better cigars than other factories. And they so did by this, knowing the factory code, yeah. you could then cherry pick the box and go, oh, well, I don't want the ENR box. Oh, you got the DEC box? I want the right. DEC box. <laughs> and, and then the other thing with Cuban cigars is Cuban cigars have always notoriously been packed prematurely, in my opinion. Okay? <laughs> and they have used that as almost part of their marketing pitch and the fact that, oh, when you buy a box of Habanos, it's expected that you're going to rest it for a full year before you're going to smoke it. (laughs) So you as a consumer, knowing what this date code means, would let you know, oh, well, that box is a year old. That box is three-year-old. Oh, well, that box was just two months ago. Put that one back on the shelf because I'd rather buy a box that's supposedly more ready to smoke today. So, But the Cubans didn't want anyone to know that because it was affecting their sales because customers were cherry-picking, well, I only want boxes from here. I only want date codes from there. So they would encode that, that data on the bottom of the box so they could tell but not so the consumer could tell. Yeah, and that was Cigar Nexus that you did that. And, and I think that what you had done on Cigar Nexus, because what else were you to the cigar industry? Nothing besides the guy that was um, doing Cigar Nexus, and JR oh, yeah. takes you on. Look, so I'm, I'm, I'm no different than any of these other guys. It's just um, I just took it a step further afterwards. Yeah. And they may all take it a step further afterwards. I don't think so, because you can actually – cobble together a living and i don't want to make it sound easy it isn't but there are a few of these media sites now that have found a way to monetize it have found a way to grind it out it's far more you can understand too when we're talking about the mid 90s most people weren't online it was a very small group um you know when i originally started communicating online it was in uh altnet.use groups well a little bit before that in aol but that was a separate story but Usenet was about the first time, and what Usenet at this point, I don't even know if it's for anything but kitty porn and I think it's, it's all you know, porn. yeah, it's yeah. all porn and it's all you know, bootleg movies and all of that. But at that time, you had these little niche groups, the quilter people, the fly fishers, in <laughs> yeah. our case, the cigar smokers. And when I first got involved in that, 
There was only like 20 of us. Yeah, there weren't many there was, people It was there. very few people. You, Ed Sullivan. Dave was there for a little while till he got chased I off. was always there, but I learned <laughs> to shut my mouth after a short period of time because I was... It's a difficult environment to yeah. operate on. I mean, as a retailer, I mean... Oh, they, God, as a retailer, Dave. You're making money off us, you <laughs> evil the person. Amount, the amount of troll wars and all of that stuff... I, I've been through so many of them, and it's one of the reasons why I kind of take a lot of manufacturers get really upset by what the media people and the bloggers say. I just kind of like, who cares? People are going to say what they're going to say. They have reasons for what they say. Sometimes they're commercial reasons. Sometimes they're personal biases. Sometimes they're, you know, they feel it in their hearts. I mean, yeah. And I see stupid stuff being written all the time and said by all sorts of people. And you just you can't get your panties in a bunch over everything and go to war over everything. It's it's just pointless. And the thing about it too is information today is so democratized that consumers have the ability to interact directly if they wish to and if the party on the other end is willing to do it. I mean, I did a stupid video Facebook Live this week, and I got 6,000 people to watch it. I was stunned. A lot of people at home doing nothing right a now. A lot of people <laughs> yeah. doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, four years at JR, and then you uh, get a call or uh, bump in to uh, Jonathan Drew to be asked to be the CEO and president of Drew Estates. Well, first the president. I was president for six years, and then I was CEO for two years. Okay. Uh, so uh, 2005 to 2013, you're with Drew Estates. That is correct. And you decide on your own. This is before the sale. Yes. That you're going to go off on your own or you're going to leave yes. at the beginning. And I, I didn't exactly decide. My wife, Cindy, decided. Ah. My wife, look, she didn't like Miami. And I'd be honest with you, I'm not a fan of Miami either. And it's just, it just wasn't. I, First met, off, all the problems lose, you I'd had, have to you... lose 100 pounds to be fat in Miami. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, everybody is so um, conscious about being seen. Yeah. It's it's a much different culture than us, you know, New England in the backyard, you know, different run the world. track. It's yeah. just different. Yeah. And it just didn't fit for us. Yeah. And after six years of it not fitting, Cindy said, I'm done with this. I'm going back to where home is. And she moved back here. So for the last year and a half, I had taken a corporate apartment in Miami and I tried to bounce between the factory in Nicaragua, corporate in Miami, and then my wife here in New Hampshire. And after a year and a half, I came to realize that I just couldn't sustain it. Yeah. It wasn't possible. And so I went in one day and I just said, guys, I, I have to leave. We need to talk about how we're going to, you know, work to get me out of the company, but do the, you know, make the transition smooth. Yeah. They were, they were a little angry with me at first. Because we were doing so well. Yeah. I mean, as a company, we were doing oh, great. You turned and, it around. And, well, you turned that place look, around. I didn't turn the place around. It was a team effort that turned well, the place around. But, but if you had to, okay. you would have taken the punch in this. If, if, you, if it failed, it would have been you, CEO of the company. Of course. Yeah. But, um, but in the end, they understood because it wasn't like I was coming and saying, oh, I want you to give me X amount more shares in the company. Oh, I want you to give me X hundreds of thousand dollars more. You know what I mean? I wasn't asking for any of that. Yeah. What I was saying is, guys, I made an honest, good faith effort. And honestly, it isn't working for me. And honestly, I don't even think I'm doing as good a job for you because I'm now trying to split just too much. Yeah. 
And then in the end, you're not being the understood. best husband. You're not being the I'm best. Not be, I'm not being the CEO. best anything. Right? Yeah, that's what ends up happening. Yeah. So uh, you had a five year uh, mandatory two year. I think that's what you're asking. Are you asking okay. about the restricted covenant? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had restricted covenants from every time I've ever left any place. So that's normal. Okay. Yeah. All right. And um, late 2015, Dunbar Tobacco and Trust begins now in your fifth year. Five years has been. Yeah. Um, I mean, our actual first real sale would have been November of 2015. So November of 2020 will be our first. Uh, the business was incorporated in 2014, so but we didn't really do any sales until November. We showed up at the trade show that year, but we actually had nothing to sell anybody. We just kind of had hopes and dreams. Yeah, well, you did. You did it. You, you got through the toughest part. You have seen the light. You're profitable. Um, yeah, I'm profitable, but I don't. I don't think I've seen the light yet. No, you're I, not making what you used to. Oh God, <laughs> no. I, I don't know that. I don't know that I ever will. And I kind of understand. That's. You know, there's things that help and hurt you. It helps the fact that I've had so much experience um, because it lets me avoid a lot of the pitfalls. And it also allows me to make decisions based on 20 plus years of experience. And I've had 20 years. When you work with somebody like Lou Rothman, even if he doesn't sit you down and say, let me explain to you how this works. Just being around somebody like him, you learn so much through osmosis. Um, So I have a huge advantage there, but I have also a huge disadvantage in the fact that um, I kind of look at everything as half full. I understand how miserable things are. I understand how difficult an industry we're in. I understand all the parts and pieces and the factory operation and the tobacco side of it and the marketing side of it and the distribution side of it and, you know, the legal ramifications. And as an entrepreneur, that sometimes makes you much more risk adverse. Because honestly, I think the company, if, I think if I was more aggressive, I think the company right now would actually be doing twice as much in sales than it currently is doing. What's your benchmark for success? Is it sales? Um, you know, this is one of the things that was one of the reasons that I ended up ultimately leaving, Drew. For them, a big part of the benchmark was top line sales. Um, for me, the top line number isn't the critical number. Um, the critical number, obviously, is the bottom line, in my opinion, but it's not exactly the driving number either. What I really would like to have in the end, if I could just do my utopian perfect, is that we generate enough sales that allows the company to be sustained. It allows for all of my team members to make more money than they would make at any other possible job in their lives, and for it to provide me uh, to do something the rest of my life that I enjoy. And luckily, uh, I'm a pretty beer budget kind of guy, and so I don't need to make crazy money. I don't. I don't have a dream of an 80 foot yacht. I don't have a dream of a private jet. I don't have those things. So for me, it's more about something that's sustainable, something that affords enough profit that you can do it sustainably and weather the bad times, provide good work for my people, and let me keep doing the things that I enjoy. That's kind of what I want. Um, you know, Do you see yourself being able to weather this nonsense that we're dealing with right now? I I believe I can, but I mean, ultimately, can I go as a company with absolutely no sales for ninety days and you know not you know maintain? No, I can't. I mean, that's just not physically possible. And the other thing too, and I had this conversation with you guys briefly before I came on the air. One of my problems is last year as a company, we nearly doubled in sales. 
And this year, going January to February, we were up 58% year to date, which Dave will tell you how amazing that is That's in our business. Unbelievable, yeah. It's crazy. And we've been doing that without discounting. And so I, last year, bought a lot more tobacco. I ramped up production starting late summer of last year, trying to prepare so I would have cigars for now. Well, guess what? I have cigars that I really wish I hadn't made now. I spent an awful lot of money on a lot of great finished goods. And I now look and I go, oh, my God, what did I do? You know, I wish I had kept that money. But at the same time, uh, you know, we've we've been 100% sold out of Brulee. We've been 100% sold out of Umbagog. We've been sold out of various SKUs of Sincompromiso. And, you know, my job is to make cigars so the retailers have them on their shelves. So I don't like working from a backorder model. I like to make inventory. I, Dave and I, on the, we're very similar in this way. He believes that you can't sell what you don't have. Correct. Okay. So for me, the criteria has never been about limiting the capacity of any of the products. My, my benchmark has always been, can I make the product at the same caliber? So if I can make the product at the same caliber, and there's people that are willing to pay for it at a fair price, I'm more than happy to make it. But I'm not going to make, make more and be forced to make a lower caliber just to make more. Yeah. Nor am I going to be forced to, I don't want to be in a position where I feel like, oh, I've made more and now I have to discount it in order to sell it. Why, why make more than what the market wants? So I'm trying to hit that Goldilocks zone where I just provide a nice life for me, a nice life for my people. I provide my consumers that are loyal to our products a good experience every time they you know, clip and light one. It's a very, very simplistic business model that I'm operating now. It's very unsophisticated. All right, moving forward, I want everybody at home to pour themselves a drink. And every time Socket says, honestly... Ah, take a sip. Okay. You know what? I'm glad you said that. You could get drunk if you went off ultimately as well. He uses that one quite a bit. You know, that's part of the problem when you speak so much for a living. You get yourself caught in these traps. So actually, Barry, I appreciate that. I'll try to be conscious of it. (laughs) Don't. We want to get drunk. (laughs) Somebody go into Dave's office and get us a drink. Did you see the betting lines on how many times Trump says tremendous or apps are the best, you know, during the uh, coronavirus press conferences? There's actually betting lines on on certain lines. Tremendous. Terrific, Huge. best ever. That becomes Huge. his word. <laughs> uh, brands including Sober Mesa, Sin Compromisa, Mi Carita, Todos Las Dias, Muestro de Saca, and Umbagog. Am I Muest- missing anything? Muestra. Muestra. And am I missing anything? That, I don't that, know. That, it that, sounded pretty complete that, to that me. Was that was it? Yeah. Is there something in the horizon? Um, Probably not for this year, given the current circumstances. Are I mean, retailers ordering at all? Yes. Um, just smaller orders. So yeah, here's look, as you know, in our business, people don't share numbers or if they do, they lie about them. Yeah. It's just kind of the way it is. We can like, look at import numbers, but right. that doesn't I, mean it didn't sell. I, I can tell you that in the beginning of March, we had only sold 10% of what we had sold last March. It was just a total train wreck. Um, the last 10%. seven to eight days, um, sales for us have picked up, uh, this was part of it. Yeah, that was part of it. Yeah. You know, other things is other things got to get creative out there. Retailers are getting more creative. Yeah. The other thing is that the fact that a lot of people are buying a lot more cigars at the moment because they're worried that their cigar store is going to be shut down. Yeah. Okay. So you have consumers. So consumers have actually been buying more cigars in the last 30 days Amen. than they normally yeah. buy for March. But retailers wisely are keeping their powder dry because nobody knows the future. 
Uh, but uncertainty is so scary in business. But at the same time, if a retailer has something that's on his shelf and he sees that he's selling out of it and he has customers who keep asking for it, he's willing to make that expenditure. So in the last, uh, in the last, from about the 10th of the month to the end of the month, we managed to pick up some and I'm now about 40% off on the month, which is not great, particularly considering I was up 58% yeah. going into this scenario. And now I have a month where yeah. I'm 40% off from a year ago. We're talking gigantic so, numbers. So the numbers are really, it's really, really ugly. But at the same time, one of the things that's nice about our business is it's relatively recession-proof. Um, you know, no matter how bad things get, a cigar is a relatively affordable luxury. You know what I mean? You, you have your days are stressful. You know things are bad. You know, yeah, maybe you're not buying a new motorcycle. It's maybe not you're not buying a new boat. It's not recession proof, though. It's not I'll recession tell you. proof. Yeah. But even during 2008, I mean, overall the numbers went down about from 2008 2009 when we had that last yeah. major recession. They went down about 20 to 25 percent. All right. But there was about 75 percent of the market that held true. And then ultimately, what ended up happening is once we got into 2010, the numbers picked right back up like they yeah. didn't stop. Yep. And, and it was also kind of the same scenario. You know, we had the craziness with the boom, and then we had the end of the boom. But that situation was a bit financially tied. Yeah. But it was also tied because there was too much inventory in the market that was really crappy. Yeah. But once that worked its way through, the industry came back up again, and it kind of hit this level. We've been—I mean, you see the numbers. We've been pretty much between 325 and 340 million units, yeah. pretty much consistently since about 2010. Right. That's about the numbers. Yeah. It's good. It's kind of flat, which now, is good. We have another issue, though, in our industry. Uh, manufacturers have been for too long producing way too many cigars. And they've, you know, a lot of these bigger companies have really been flooding the market. And all of last year, they were flooding the market in 2018. They continued flooding the market in 2019. And part of this, too, is a byproduct of them just becoming more effective at sales. So their sales tactics have become much more refined and much more aggressive. When I was at Drew Estate, we were one of the few companies that was really good at sales. Most of our competitors were not. And it was one of the reasons why we were able to grow as fast as we were. Um, but now, most of the companies, to a degree, have their act together. And it's definitely way better together than it's ever been in the past. So as all these companies are getting better at sales, their sales teams are really putting too many products into retailer shelves. Retailers keep buying things based on discounts because they look at those deals. And it got to the point that last year, we had a glut of products. So on my end of the business, it's very unusual that we did so well, because as a as a general rule of thumb, I think the industry on my end to your end was down somewhere between 10 to 15 points. But this, this speaks to your initial thought when we had interviewed you late 2014, early 2015, when you said you, you're in business to make cigars that people are either going to love or they're going to hate. And right. you have enough people that love your product that they continue to buy and are box buyers so I think that's going to help you weather the storm. I, I think so, but who knows? Uh, but on the flip side of that, I also have a product that's at a slightly higher price point than a lot of other products in the marketplace. Well worth it, though. I believe that, but I don't get to I don't get to make that determination. Only the consumer ultimately gets to make that determination. And if money gets really thin, are they going to say, "Wow, I really like to smoke a Silver Mesa Brulee, but that's a thirteen dollar cigar." There's this other Connecticut over here from this manufacturer that's $11. Yeah. It's $10. It's $9. 
Am I going to buy that instead? But if they have to you buy so their own honey to put on the end of it, it's going to yeah. make... Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to save everyone a step, right? There right. we go. We, we saw that in 2008. <laughs> this shit will never end. No. We saw it in 2008. You okay. haven't seen anything yet. Uh, <laughs> Great. Uh, the uncomfortable... In two, uncomfortable question. Is that we're what still, it's called? We're still the, in comfortable the, zone We're right comfortable now. right now. Okay. Uh, 2008, we saw that on a retail level that the people would come in when, when the bottom hit and they went from whatever, if they were smoking $10 cigars, they went down to $8 cigars. Right. And even rich people, poor people, it happened across the board. We track everybody for years and we watched it. And I said, wow, everybody just dropped a couple of dollars. Well, I can tell you right now, I guarantee you in all of these big corporate offices, there has been a conversation in the last 30 days about how can we make cigars for less money? We need to get a more economical product into the marketplace because they're thinking in terms of volume and I'm thinking in terms of quality. And for me, what the benchmark is ultimately going to be is if I can't continue producing what I want to produce and the market just isn't willing to sustain it, then I'll walk away. Aye. I'm okay with that. I mean... All right, so we're smoking a $13 cigar right now. This is the Aging Room Pura Sepa. It's a Nicaraguan Puro. Um, what do you think? Steve, let me go Honor. to you first. Medium bodied. Um, look, you guys are the ones that come up with all the great words. And the other thing, too, is you know. Well how, made, burning good. You, let me say this. You know how dangerous this is to yes. ask one maker about another maker's yeah. brand. Because uh, Raphael is, is going to be listening to this and he's going to say, that mother. You know, so, I mean, it's good. It's probably not a cigar that would typically be in my wheelhouse. Um, it's just. I actually I tried to pick something I thought would be in your wheelhouse. I mean, it's it's medium bodied. It's got some delicate nuances to it. It's relatively pleasing. The burn is, it's even enough, but I wouldn't call it a, a picture perfect burn. It's got a little bit of curl. I mean, the overall construction feels good. The draw is good. I think it's really a question of flavor profile. I'm getting kind of a little bit of light coffee, a little bit of light toffee. I'm getting. It's actually, I don't even know if I go medium. It's almost mild to medium wow. in some ways for me. I get the coffee. I'll agree with them on that. Yeah. But I also got a little hint of birch. I think it would go good with like a birch beer. Mm. Jonathan, what do you got? Well, if you take a, if you make yourself a pepper steak sandwich. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and at the, you, you make the sandwich, you set it down, you go and get your chips and you get your drink. And then you dump the contents of the sandwich out in the plate and you pull the bread out. With all the and grease you, in so it. It's so. a little bit of this, that soggy. A greasy meat. It's a pepper steak bread is what I'm getting. You know, one thing that it definitely has, and it's always like one of the very first things, before I get into the pepper bread steak nonsense that yeah. John does all the time, um, I always ask myself one very simple question. Does it make my palate moist or does it make my palate mm. dry? Right. Because as a general rule of thumb, I know things that make my palate moist are things that I like. Things that taste ah. good make you drool a little bit. So in the case of this cigar, it's not drying my palate out. So, you know, an initial first blush for me is, okay, this is something that is worth trying for me because I am getting enough that's making my palate moist. So you're saying that Raphael makes you moist? Yeah, this is going to be a long show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good thing you said that because he just joined the chat. There we go. It's a ringing really, endorsement. Really, right there, really Raphael. long show. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's going to be a lightning round of un. Comfortable questions and answers. We're live from the Toscano Cigar Soundstage, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. 
To some, tradition is a catchphrase. To us, it's a guiding light. For there can be no great future without reverence for the past. Hammer and Sickle Tradition Series cigars are handmade, employing only time-honored methods. Meticulously crafted of individually selected tobaccos, Tradition Series is a blend of three-year-aged Dominican Viso and Lijero, all finished inside a breathtaking five-year-aged Connecticut shade wrapper. Tradition Series from Hammer and Sickle. Live well. Romeo San Andreas by Romeo y Julieta. The Romeo y Julieta love story with a bold and modern twist. America's favorite love story takes on a modern zeal with this A.J. Fernandez collaboration. Romeo San Andreas by Romeo y Julieta, crafted in Esteli, Nicaragua, is a contemporary take on the rich and robust profile of the Romeo by Romeo collection. This exceptional premium offering employs an aged San Andreas wrapper, considered one of the most flavorful leaves used in today's premium cigar market. Handcrafted in Nicaragua by cigar master A.J. Fernandez, full-flavored, dressed in a stunning San Andreas wrapper, rich in bold profile with notes of dark chocolate, spice, and licorice, and available in four sizes, Robusto, Toro, Pyramid, and Short Magnum, competitively priced under $10. Romeo San Andreas by Romeo y Julieta, the Romeo y Julieta love story with a bold and modern twist. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper, fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lining up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit diamondcrown.com. I want to talk to you today about my friend Glenn Case from Christoph Cigars. I've known him for many years. Glenn is a very nice guy, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Always friendly, always happy. So when I heard his brand Christoph was pissed off, I was surprised. Christoph Cigars have always been known as smooth and rich, and the pissed off Christoph is just that. But there's something else happening here. A natural San Andreas wrapper, the binder, Indonesian, and the filler, Nicaraguan. And like Glenn Case, the cigar starts off sweet, but then it gets pissed off. And like Bruce Banner, you don't want to piss off Glenn Case about Kristoff cigars. Or do you? Expect some spins and a nicotine kick. Strap yourself in for a ride. Pissed off Kristoff is deceivingly strong. You've been warned. Sold in 10-count boxes, four sizes including Churchill, 6x60, Robusto, and Corona Gorda. The hottest new brand is the pissed-off Kristoff. Take it for a ride. Since 1964, Padron Cigars have had the same mission. With over 50 years spent to create a perfect cigar and more than 100 years to create a perfect legacy, 
The Padron family understands the significance of time. Padron delivers only the finest handmade complex cigars with the flavor of the Cuban heritage, out of which the Padron recipe was born. The Padron mission is simple, exceptional quality of their cigars and not the quantity produced. As a vertically integrated family-owned company, personal attention to every detail is taken in all steps of the tobacco growing and cigar making process. Padron Cigars, they give you the cigar smoker, the confidence that each cigar is the same. Perfect. Padron Cigars, handcrafted since 1964. I want to tell you about my friend Hochi Blanco, a fourth-generation Dominican cigar maker known for growing tobacco and producing highly acclaimed cigars for other people. If some things stay the same, other things have to change. Finally, Hochi's factory, Tobacalera Palmer, has produced the cigar that not only belongs to the factory, but pays homage to the cigar rolling room known as La Galera. The La Galera Connecticut blend is special, using an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper surrounding a Dominican blend of Piloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and a varietal that Hochi named T112. With the exception of the wrapper, Hochi grows all of the La Galera tobaccos himself and carefully watches over every step. The flavor, smooth, but still offering plenty of flavor in all sizes, paying homage to the people and tools used in the factory. Now for the amazing part. La Galera, Connecticut has a suggested retail price ranging from $4.95 to $6 and has been awarded the Cigar of the Year by the Cigar Authority. La Galera, Connecticut, creating their own version of the Connecticut cigar because they demand more. This is Nicholas Melillo, a.k.a. Nick Aragua from Foundation Cigar Company. You're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And we are back. We're smoking the Aging Room Purisepa with Steve Sock from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. I hear Rafael Nodell is listening live. Nice cigar. Aging Room is hot. Uh, cigar of the Year by Cigar Aficionado. Not this exact blend, but a Nicaraguan. Which one was the one that got Cigar of the Year again? Remind me, guys. Uh, on the Aging Room, it was Quattro, the Quattro Nicaraguan. Nicaragua. Yeah. The orange band. Yeah. This is the 100% Nicaraguan Purisepa. And um, I need. I think we need to put Steve on a gag order during the break because he gives up way too much good information that he should be saying. He should be saying it on the show. Yeah, we ask again. That's it. But right now it's a lightning round of uncomfortable questions. And as I said before, you can choose to uh, pass or play. Don't be a wuss. Keep, or keep going on. Um, in most of these questions, I have no problem asking. Is there, is there a Jeopardy soundtrack for this? There is not. There is <laughs> not. Man, this is such a sham. Okay. So starting off with Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Interesting name pass. for a company. It's <laughs> uh, a boring topic. The word trust. Yes. Can, can you be trusted? Um, eh, I can be trusted as much as any other moron. I mean, look, trust is As long as it's not as far as we could throw you. Well, that's not (laughs) happening. I mean, look, you know, the name trust came from, I thought we were going to put the business in an old bank building. Ah. It just sounded really cool. And I was trying to purchase one and um, I just couldn't get the guy to budge and sell it at what I thought was a reasonable price. Um, that building is still open now, five years later. So I guess nobody, everybody ah. agreed with me that about five price, weeks, it's going to be half price. <laughs> right, now five weeks will be half price because it right. does sound more more of a, of a bank term than. than I can a tell you, company. as a name though, it's a pretty crappy name. Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust is an awful lot, 
and it doesn't fit on a hat, and it doesn't fit on a T-shirt. And uh, well, there isn't a brand Dunbarton Tobacco Trust either. Yeah, but hmm. part of the reason DTT. But here's part of the reason for that. Again, I always was looking at things from the way that big companies do, and brands should be independent of the company ownership because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So if if this was Dunbarton's whatever, and that was Dunbarton's whatever, and this one started to fail in sales, yeah. it would hurt the others. So Sober Mesa is a totally different, unique blend. Mike Rita is a totally different, unique blend. I don't think the success of either should depend on the cross-branding between them. I think it's better to have them in individual baskets and let them live or die on their own. Unlike now, a Padron or Perdomo. That right. Has everything I think, in yeah, when everything's risky. In, look, it's, it's riskier. Because yeah. when everything is going... Those gr- are the two most successful companies. It happens to be. But it, it was a risky move for them. Yeah, but also it's a risky move in the way, not exactly... Because, you know, Padron, Padron's been around for 50 years, right? Yeah. Fuente's been around for even longer. Um, you got a much longer established history. And the other thing, too, I was taking into consideration because I was seeing the way the laws were being written. The regulation, it was before, before the FDA applied the rules to cigars, the FDA had already applied the rules to cigarettes. And in part of the way the rules were working, they were making it where you couldn't put your name on any product that was a tobacco product. So by having a company name that isn't the name of an actual branded tobacco product mm, would then allow me to keep making <coughs> Saka squatches, would allow me to make a Dunbarton hat without putting the warning label unlike on. Unlike a Nat Sherman that's in Unlike trouble. a yeah. Nat Sherman or unlike Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's well, Romeo and Juliet isn't a fair example because it is an independent brand, but like a Perdomo. Yeah. Like you see Drew Estate. I mean, There's you know, no Drew Estate brand. Right. The Drew Estate, but Drew Estate they have to comply with the cigarette regulations because they got bought in by a, a company that primarily is in the mass space. Yeah. So the rules that the mass business was having to comply with now drew state and you now have warning labels on every hat, every t-shirt. And I was just trying to think of a way, well, how can I prevent that as being an extra hurdle? Good. In hindsight, I probably should have named the company some with my own name on it because everyone just seems to call them Saka Cigars. Or yeah. Sasquatch Cigar Company would have worked. Yeah, it seems too gimmicky to me. I mean, that's just a that, dumb but little But that can thing. be changed. You could change the name of your company. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the really, brands are the brands. Yeah, but in the end, it's like the least of my worries. Okay. i got so many bigger fish to fry. <laughs> All right, so you like see- this next question. So example. you see the moves that Drew Estate did, the big four not going to PCA. Yeah. If you were the president still of Drew Estates, yes. would you have joined the others- um, or do you think they started it? What do you think of that? Um, look, it's very easy from the outside to be critical of what somebody's making as a decision for their company. You don't really know all the internals. You don't know all the conversations. You don't know the particulars. And so I'm not going to take the position of being critical to, I'm not going to be hypercritical as some people have been. Because I don't have all the facts. But you were the but, president. You, you have more facts than they do. But what I would, I would have taken a different approach. I would have probably chosen to exhibit at the trade show and just scaled back dramatically my footprint and the number of people that I brought. Because it is an opportunity every year for you to meet the customers that are there. Even if the number's going down, let's just take the PCA at face value and let's assume that there are 700 buyers there for Drew Estate of the 700. Probably almost all of them are customers of theirs. Yeah. So why would I want to not have the opportunity to see those 700 people? Right. So I would have taken a much more middle-of-the-road kind of approach. Uh, I'm not saying that would have been the right approach. And I felt the same way, you know, Villiger leaving the year before. 
I had I been Renee, I think I would have just gotten a 10 by 20 booth and a couple sofas and have my cigars there and be able to shake the hands of my customers and thank them for their business. I, I think that there was a, I think there was a middle way to, they could have made their point. Yeah. They would have taken all the dollars out, but it wouldn't have been quite as controversial in the way they did it. And they chose to do it the way they chose because they wanted to make that statement. It wasn't yeah. like they were oblivious to what the ramifications of that decision. Well, they weren't oblivious to, they don't know the ramifications. They're still going to find it out. But they weren't oblivious to what the initial response was going to probably be. And if they were, well, then they're idiots. Yeah. Okay. I have to think that there's people in those companies that are smart enough to understand yeah, they knew what was how we were going to react. And they had pretty much accepted that as, okay, we are going to have to, we're going to accept this and we're going to move forward with this decision. But I, I would have probably done it differently, but that's easy to say yeah. when I don't have the facts or the responsibilities. All right. Will flavored cigars eventually be banned and should they be? Ah. Will they be? First off, we're talking about what the federal government's going to do, and we're talking about how the judiciary is going to rule on those decisions. I see a lot of problems from a legal point of view for banning flavored cigars. I really do. I think, I think that there is an awful lot of adjudication that will be able to happen that is going to probably make it difficult. Um, so I think that, yes, you're going to see bans. Um, where I think is a more concern is not a ban at a federal level, because what's happening is states and localities are just moving ahead on their own. Right. And that's the part that's so concerning because that was the dilemma that the cigarette companies had back in the day. Um, and the reason why they agreed to the MSA was because by agreeing to the MSA, which was touted as a big win for, you know, the anti-smoking, but it really wasn't. It was a huge win for the cigarette companies because now they had one set of rules. The bigger ones. Right. That they had to comply with. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... I think that being in the flavored segment right now is in a lot of jeopardy. Um, now, the question of whether they should be banned, I don't believe they should be banned. I'm not a consumer of the product, but who am I to be the arbiter of what people that are adults choose and like to smoke? And given the fact that, you know, handmade cigars, we already know the data of what the age group is that smoke them. We already know the consumption patterns, and we see that even on the flavored side of the segment. You know, there, there's not there's not a group of 16-year-olds out there smoking Cuba Cubas or Javas. Yeah, I agree I mean, 100%. It's a, it's a long filler, handmade cigar. It costs $8 and up. You know what I mean? Mm. So I, who am I to tell the 42-year-old guy that likes smoking a tobacco special or, a, you know, a Tatiana that he shouldn't have the right to make that decision? Absolutely. Particularly when we, we add flavorings to coffee, we add flavorings to booze, we add... You know what I Everything mean? Everything's so, I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's something that the government should get involved in. Now, yeah. if you're talking about, are you creating, you could have an argument of, well, it's juicy cotton candy flavored cigar. Yeah. And it's branded that way. And the imagery is done that way, where it looks like you're really definitely targeting a younger demographic. Then you might say, okay, this isn't really appropriate. You know, it would be in the best interest of everyone that you keep your marketing for who your target audience is. Um, that's a conversation that I, but I think overall, even though I'm not a consumer of them, I don't believe they should be banned. Now, are you going to ask me the follow-up question, which is the really critical one? Is, He's following up with himself. That's all right. He's interviewing himself that's right, all right. Why am I even here? The hard, the hard question is, okay, so you feel that way, Saka. What if the difference is the flavored cigar segment 
takes down the entire premium handmaid yeah? segment. Yeah. Okay. Does it? Are you us? are you willing to go sacrifice to, the, it? to sacrifice everything for that one segment? And regretfully, somewhat selfishly, knowingly, the answer is no. I wouldn't. I would. I would say okay. You know, if we have to carve flavored cigars out in order to protect the bulk of the industry, then. But of it, course, I say that from a selfish perspective because right. I don't make flavored this, cigars currently. And this whereas is the separation was, whereas, of this whereas, industry. Whereas, right whereas, whereas, whereas when I was at Drew Estate and I was president of Drew Estate, well, that definitely would not have been my opinion because look, I'm responsible for the livelihood of 1,700 people. Yeah, they earn, you know they earn their living that way, and I know the customers that are buying the product. We're not selling them to kids. I know there are adults making decisions. I know there's nothing nefarious that we're doing. I know what the, the health data is no different off the flavored products versus the non-flavored products. So there's no justifiable public health perspective on it. So Why don't I mean, you just run for a public office and get this over with? Because you're very good at answering questions and not actually no, answering No, he answered it completely. It's absolutely true. I agree 100%. I, what, what I basically saying. said is that I would make – a different decision based on the circumstances. Yeah, you answer, as, the, as, you as answer every, the question both ways. As everybody really, would. Right. But, but his answer but the, is, yes, he would answer, sacrifice my it My answer today is I would sacrifice it. <coughs> my answer when I was in charge of that company, no, I would have fought tooth and nail for of my course. employees. Of course. And that's the truth. And do that's I, the truth. And, I mean, and, do I, and do I think that there's a justification in what, the, what they're doing? No, I don't think there is at all. But at the same time, you also – you sometimes have to play with the cards that you're dealt. You don't yeah. like them, but you got to say, what's the best this, I can listen, do? Listen, this is exactly the separation of this industry right now is, is that exact question that's there. His follow-up to his own follow-up question. Perfect. <laughs> Which he answered both ways. That's good. It's great. Um, I'm a pro. All right. <laughs> here's, here's one. Who should get the praise for Liga Pavada? You, who asked for it. All right. Nick Melillo, who blended it, or did yeah. he? Drew mm -hmm. Estates, who paid for it to be done and marketed it, mm -hmm. or Swisher, who now owns it? I don't care. I know you don't care, but <laughs> who should get it? Try answering that one both ways. No, I, I will answer. So, I'll, so, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, because there's me, a whole me, bunch me, of people me, taking the bow for that. Of course, and everybody's going to take the bow for anything successful. But I will say unequivocally, with no doubt in my mind, had I not been at Drew Estate, there would be no Liga Pravada, period. Right. It was not something that Nicholas was going to do. It was not something that Jonathan Drew was going to do. It was not something the company was going to do. And it wasn't going to be done the way it was done. It was only was made for you was anyway. Nick, was Nicholas in, intimately involved in the blending? Absolutely. Was he critical to the process? Absolutely. But so was Manuel Rubia. And so was Yacidia Moncada. And so was a bunch of other people in the factory. I think trying to distill anything down to just giving credit to one person is really not a fair representation. So you should get the credit because it was your, your No, thing. because they would have made something else different. Who cares? But it wouldn't have happened without what, him. What Absolutely wouldn't because he said, I'm not smoking this other stuff. I need something. That was the story. <laughs> I mean, it was it was my personal cigar. That's what it was. And I was the one that... If you didn't name it Liga Pavada, if you called it Saka... I was the one that ultimately got to decide what blends went in the box. I was the one that picked all the sizes. I was the one that picked all the names. I'm the one that came up with the branding concept and the idea... I was the final arbiter on everything. But in the end, you know, had I not been there, somebody else would have been the final arbiter on anything. I, I think it's relatively mute in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't it's make, a fun question. I don't care. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make me any richer one way or another. No, it doesn't. And honestly, I don't, I don't want people to 
smoke my cigars because of another cigar. So you're not chasing... But that's part of your success, you know. You came out swinging right off the bat because yeah, of Liga but no. I, but at the same time, I came with a product that wasn't anything like Liga Pro. Which is something. odd. Which was very I, odd. I, I, I went in an entirely different direction. Yeah. So. Do you ever feel like you zigged when you should have zagged on that? That you should have come out with a more legal-like product initially? Um, no, because here's the answer to that question. I couldn't. I mean... I could not make something that I felt was in that in that kind of style because there was no way I could have my own materials and have enough time to work them for them to go into a box. So it was physically impossible for me in November of 2015 to have something that I would consider worth buying that's in that genre profile. And you can see even now, I mean, I have a couple products that I think do fit in that genre profile. And, you know, one of them, it took me all the way to last year to release, the Tricky Traka. You know, it takes... To do things right, take time. And, and so who gets credit for Tricky Tracker? You or Dave? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Out of the <laughs> mouths of parents. Yeah, and you know what? And doing the Firecracker Project it served as inspiration to redo the blend. So does Dave deserve some of that credit? Sure, he can have as much credit. I don't want to. Thank you. As long as he doesn't want some sort of royalty bullshit I'll nonsense. Just, I'll just take, take the cash. The, he can take all the credit he wants. Oh, that's all right. I, I, um, all right. What is the best cigar you ever smoked, yours and someone else's? Best cigar I ever smoked. Wow. That's impossible. I've smoked nearly 100,000 cigars. How would I even begin to answer that? Well, question? there must be one you smoked more than once. And then more than 10 times. Well, look, I smoked, uh, I was smoking a lot of Liga Pravadas. I thought it was absolutely one of the best cigars ever made. Keyword was you know? was. No, the only reason I say was, it was because I haven't smoked one produced after the summer of 2013. So I actually don't know what they currently taste like. And I chose to do that because I was so closely associated with the brand that, you understand, during that time, it was marketed as my cigar. Yeah. Nobody even knew who Nicholas was at all. Yeah. Okay. And part of that is because it's a very difficult message to sell consumers to say, well, here are the nine people that are integral to the process. Meet my team. You know, and it just doesn't work from a branding perspective because yeah. consumers want to identify with one individual. So as a company, it was always, I was the para el jefe on the band. Yeah. There used to be boxes that came with cards in them that had my signature on them. Okay. Those cards aren't in the boxes anymore. I remember those. Okay. So I don't have any issue with that, but you got to understand. I think I even lost track of what the damn question was. I'm just <laughs> favorite cigar. Favorite cigar. Oh, favorite cigar. Um, How about somebody else's? You know, you, you got of your brands. Look, do you have a favorite of your own brands? Not really. No. All right. No, I can tell you this: the first cigar, some of the early cigars. Look, it's always those early cigars. So I remember the very first time I smoked a Arturo Fuente Hemingway. Um, I always get confused in the size. It's not the signature, but the one that's slightly smaller. Short story. Short story. No. So is the signature the one that's the five and a half to six inch? Yes. Yeah, okay. I remember the first time I smoked that, I was blown away. Yeah. I remember the first time I smoked the uh, Ligoria Cubana Churchill Maduro, I was blown away. Um, look, I, I get occasionally blown away. I don't get blown away anymore. What I find myself now is when I'm smoking something and it's really good, I find myself pausing and just looking at the cigar going, huh, this one's like really spectacular. You know, why, why is this one so much more spectacular than another one? And I had that experience just a week or so ago smoking a Sin Compromiso number five in the truck. I actually had to pull over and stop and go, wow, why is this one just, I mean, it's just so on. You know what I mean? 
Um, but look, there's some really good makers out there that make a lot of great products. All right, I got one last question. Very uncomfortable question for me to ask. I've been thinking about asking it for a long time, but next week is actually our 10-year anniversary. Oh. So I'm going to ask it as uncomfortable as... 10-year anniversary for the show. 10 years. Oh, wow. So I've Congratulations. Seen, thank you. I've seen your ads in magazines, blogs, and other podcasts. We've known each other for 25 years. Yes, maybe longer. <laughs> Why not an ad in cigar, the Cigar Authority in all these years, both through Drew Estates and through... Um, okay, Drew, the Drew Estate answer is easy. Um, the Drew Estate answer was there were very few podcasts at the time. And look, you're always dancing this delicate thing about not showing favoritism to one of your customers versus another customer. So giving you money for your advertising program, are we giving preferential treatment to, you know, two guys smoke shop versus your competitor down the street twins? So at Drew Estate, that was more the issue. Uh, the issue for me now is I just don't like how much you charge. Your prices are too damn high. I think your cigars are pretty high too, but I can take exactly. Alive, but. <laughs> and we and we, each, and we each get to make a decision about whether we buy them or okay, not buy fair, them. Fair enough question. And, and, and at the same time, look. And there's a lot of there's a lot of media out there that I don't take advantage of. Look, I just started last year doing some advertising, and really that's a byproduct of as the company makes more money. I'm willing to advertise, but I also am under the, I am of the belief, which is you ask the question, so take it for what you will. I honestly don't think that the ads that get run on the program make much of a difference to the consumers that buy. The advertisers will feel different. Right. I mean, I feel, and I don't feel that way about your ads. I feel that way about all the ads today. I think that as consumers, we're so bombarded with ads, we just kind of take them for granted. We have a little bit of a blind spot for them. I, I think that things that are actual real content are much better. In other words, if you said to me, okay, hey, let's do a thing that's advertorial, where, hey, you know, once a month, I'm going to do a little podcast and focus on smoking one of your cigars and doing the tasting notes on that, then that has a much different than the 30 second with the donut kind of thing commercial wise from somebody from my end of the perspective. So all the advertising that I currently do and everyone that I advertise with knows this. I treat it as a charitable act because I want to be part of the environment. You know, I want to support those people in the industry so they can keep doing what they're doing. I don't know what the real ROI is on it, to be honest with you. And I think eventually I will end up advertising with you. And it probably would have been this year until all this well, nonsense happened. Well, we're sold out. We're sold out anyway. Well, then why are you even but asking me? Why are you busting my balls? No, you just, don't even need my ad. One, one final question. Have you been wearing the same clothes since the virus started? Because this is actually the same outfit I saw on you. Uh, yes. From let, me, let, let, let me explain something to the audience. I am not a fashionista, okay? No. Um, I live in New Hampshire. This plaid shirt, I own like four or five identical ones. You know, you, you just wear the same stuff uh, and day I, And in, I do too. I'm day goofing out, around. And I don't care. Every time you see a picture of me at an event, I'm wearing the same black shirt. I literally have five of that exact same shirt. They all go in the suitcase. I just So I don't have to think about what I'm going to wear, and I just really don't care. <laughs> Aging Room Pura Seppa, uh, the Nicaraguan, pure Nicaraguan cigar, 100% Nicaraguan. Ed Sullivan, what do you think of this? I'm with Steve on this. For me, it's on the milder side. Wow. But, yeah, I know, Dave. You're always thinking it's stronger than it, it is. It's it's medium. It's, it's like six. Three or four. It's low, six, four. lowest mm. end of medium. Yeah, I'm near four. I think this is actually very comparable strength-wise to my Sober Mesa traditional. 
Yeah. I think it's right there. Okay. Four and a half, five-ish. Five Good cigar. Flavor notes. Anything? Anybody's got anything here? I'm still getting a little bit of birch, some coffee. Um, it's not drying on my palate. Yeah. It, you know, something I never thought about uh, thinking about of a cigar. Is it dry or is it wet? It's more wet than it's dry, but it's not overly wet. I'm not drooling all over this it. This is the, the You're second. You're not doing it right. That's why it's we're, not. We're deeper in the cigar, definitely on the final third. So I've enjoyed my pepper steak. I've made another one. I've made adjustments to the recipe. I've added a little more pepper, black, uh, green peppers, and added a little more black pepper as well. Yeah, it's getting a little more peppery as it's going on. Yeah. And you and can it, see, like, the burn is evened up. Yeah. A little bit of roughness that I was talking about on the curl is starting to disappear. I also find the name kind of interesting. I wonder how many people know what the word sepa even means. Uh, breed, isn't it? Strain, breed. Pure you know, breed. Pure, pure, breed. pure strain. I'm, I'm assuming that's what they're trying to get across is that it's some strain of, you know, of, of pure Nicaraguan seed-grown tobacco. I'm assuming that's what they mean yeah. by it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we have cigar news and a blind cigar to light up with Steve and a word from our friends in Italy. Stay tuned. We're live from the Toscano Cigar Soundstage, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Aging Room 4 Nicaragua Maestro, named Cigar Aficionado's number one cigar of the year with a 96 rating is a complex Nicaraguan puro carefully blended by Rafael Nodal and made by A.J. Fernandez. As Cigar Aficionado described it, every puff is an overture of flavors that's at times heavy and rich with notes of dark chocolate and wood, and other times subtle and understated with hints of fine caramel and toasted almonds. Treat yourself to an aging Room 4 Nicaragua today. Surgeon General work. Tobacco smoke increases the risk of lung cancer and heart disease, even in non-smokers. In a time where humidors are overflowing and retailers' shelves are on the verge of buckling, there is one brand that stands out amongst the rest. Sereno Cigar Company offers four distinct blends. The Connecticut, the Medio, Maduro, and Maduro XX. All aged to perfection. Crafted at the La Corona Cigar Factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, each artfully crafted blend comes to life by the experienced hands of master blender Omar Gonzalez Aleman and industry veteran Anthony Sereno. To create this masterpiece, a combination of hand-selected filler tobaccos from the fertile soils of Esteli and Jalapa are aged for over five years and then draped with a luxurious wrapper leaf to bring you an endlessly complex and majestic experience. A post-roll aging process of two additional years allows the blend to marry, creating unmistakable and ever-changing tasting notes that tantalize the palate, leaving you anticipating each and every drop. Visit SerenoCigars.com for a list of retailers, and you can always find Sereno Cigars available online at TwoGuysCigars.com. Sereno, a majestic cigar aged to perfection. You've heard us talking before about the best cigar magazine in the world, Cigar Journal. You want to know what makes Cigar Journal the best cigar magazine? Cigar Journal covers every angle of the cigar world, from exclusive stories and features, insightful interviews with industry power players, detailed cigar reviews, and of course, all the latest news and reports surrounding premium cigars. We're telling you, you will be impressed. Cigar Journal has stunning images, explanations of Cigar Science Basics, this is the magazine for any cigar enthusiast. Or better yet, 
Passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. You owe it to yourself to discover the world's best cigar magazine, Cigar Journal. Available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at their new website, CigarJournal.com. That's CigarJournal.com. Let me tell you a little bit about the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary Cigar, or what they call the Three-Peat. Crafted in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory, the 15th anniversary was released in 2010 to commemorate Rocky Patel's 15th year in the cigar industry, and it impressed right out of the gate. The Robusto and the Torpedo both scored 93 points in Cigar Aficionado, while the Toro and Corona Gorda both notched 92 points. The Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary is a robust cigar with notes of toasted spice, roasted coffee, and almonds. Rocky Patel himself has referred to his 15th anniversary as the Decade on Steroids. The 15th Anniversary has also been named to Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars of the Year list on three separate occasions. Rocky's only brand to accomplish the three-peat. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary, Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary, Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. The La Galera Habano uses a classic wrapper on a staple cigar for a classy company. Hi there, this is David Garofalo of the Cigar Authority, and I want, no, no, I need to tell you about La Galera Habano. The La Galera Habano is an authentic cigar elaborated with the hands of the best cigar rollers of Tabacalera Palma in the Dominican Republic. Blended around an outstanding, flavorful Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, the Dominican-grown Corojo binder, and the filler made up of Peloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and Peloto Oro, creating a medium to full-bodied, attractively consistent, and aromatic smoke that envies no other. I love this cigar. Have you tried La Galera Habano yet? Well, what are you waiting for? Available at Better Cigar Shops worldwide is La Galera Habano. The wait is over. La Galera Habano. Justo and his father, Julio Eiroa, are continuing the tradition of growing authentic Corojo and now bring you Aladino. Aladino is a true old-fashioned cigar, pure authentic Corojo grown in the Eiroa Tobacco Farms in Honduras from the original Cuban seed of Corojo. An Aladino cigar represents the golden era of cigars in Cuba, and after one light, this old-school smoke will bring you back. Aladino cigars come from JRE Tobacco, a family center company who manage all aspects of cigar growing and manufacturing. This crop-to-shop operation is fully committed to providing you with quality and satisfaction. The premier Corojo grower in the entire cigar industry is Julio Eiroa, a tobacco grower and master cigar blender who personally guarantees that Aladino will provide you the opportunity to enjoy the true authentic Corojo taste. Take this journey and be part of history in a cigar smoking experience like no other. Aladino. Hello and good afternoon, it's Randall Churchill here. My great-grandfather would have loved the Cigar Authorities show. And we're back with our number two. 
deep into hour number two. We got Blind Cigar. We're going to smoke with the president and founder of Dunbar Tobacco and Trust, Steve Sacco. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. Before we get to the cigar, we have a coronavirus update for the U.S. and Italy from Toscano Cigars. So joining us is Michael Capolini. Are you there, Michael? I'm here, guys. How are you? Very good. There you are. Okay. Um, so how's things? How's things at home and how's things in Italy? Things are, you know, we're moving forward. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I want to thank you for having me on today. It's great. Uh, Steve, great to see you. I've been loving the, the show. <laughs> great back and forth. It's been awesome. I laughed, I think, more today than I've laughed in the past, I've laughed in the past two weeks. Good. We uh, need a laugh or two. Been a rough couple yeah. of weeks, particularly for you guys. We sure, yeah. But you know what? Uh, as I go into the update here, you just the biggest thing to understand is, is that you know the Italian people are resilient people. You know, we have good bloodlines here in the United States too. And I'm sure you know one of the things that I've been writing a lot about uh, on my posts and stuff. There's there's a ta- uh, a tagline insieme ce la faremo, which in Italian means together we will do it. And I'm 100 percent positive that you know as long as we continue to support each other be there for one another on an emotional and physical, well, not so much physical right now, but an emotional uh, level, we'll, we'll be okay and we'll get through this. I'm yeah. Boy, and, that, and that's kind of what I've been telling people too. And my, yeah. my, my, my public message has been very similar to that one too. Yeah. Um, we'll get I'm, to I'm not willing to buy into the, this is the end of times. Right. right. I'm out there. Yeah. All right. So what are they saying out there? Well, I mean, uh, when we talk about numbers themselves, uh, it's a little bit grim, but there is a little bit hope at the end. So, Currently, the cases in Italy are 86,498. Uh, the United States has surpassed that here. Uh, the, death in, the deaths in Italy are uh, 9,134. 9, a lot more. Yeah. Um, the, something that a lot of people don't talk about, though, are the recoveries that happen. So the, the, there's two bright notes. Uh, well, three, actually, in the report that I have. Number one, um, almost 11,000 people have recovered from the coronavirus thus far in the, throughout the Italian peninsula and Sicily. Um, a 102-year-old woman sir, was brought in with coronavirus and was able to overcome the disease. Ah, they are strong over there. I guess there's more millennials, meaning 100-year-old plus, in Italy than anywhere else in the world. I would imagine that to be the case. To be honest with you, it's funny. I was having this conversation uh, regarding where I live outside of Scranton. It's an Italian community. You know, my, my nono is 95 years old. My next door neighbor, my cousin, she's 90, 96. My aunt is 98. There must be something in the water or the wine we drink. I'm not sure. And but, hopefully it's in, in your blood too. Yeah, there's no question. Um, the, the one thing also to take away from the report regarding the Italian peninsula in Sicily is the fact that uh, the daily cases have started to go down. It peaked at around uh, 6,557. Six, 6, Yesterday's numbers were down to 5,909. Now, although that is not a large discrepancy, it's still... Right direction. Bit- right direction. Fourth day in a row they've gone down, right? Yeah, that's correct. Now, there was a massive drop three or four days ago, but then that number spiked again. But uh, again, I, I think that uh, the, the promising thing is, and I know it's a discussion here in the United States, the promising thing is that it seems as though... Uh, quarantine could work. It seems as though after the peninsula being locked down, how it's been, there has been a decrease. But I'm no doctor. Um, you know, it, it's it's definitely some scary times. But in ce la faremo, I'm sure to, I'm sure of it. Um, you know, one thing that I, I, I if it's okay, we, we, we kind of Dave and I and, and and Ed, we were talking about a word of the day. Uh, yes. The day, and I think the most popular, the most powerful one to use today is speranza, which means hope. 
uh, there's no question that as long as that Speranza is there in our in our hearts and our minds that we're going to be able to to climb out of this. You know, it's going to get worse before it gets better, but uh, we'll we'll be there to to celebrate. And you know, I'm hoping that in one way, shape, or form, the entire industry will come together and we'll be able to have one hell of a party yeah. once all of this passes. Just that's, that's, just to that's, warn you, don't use it as a brand name. Uh, Christian Aroa had done that brand back in the. Uh, in the, in the 90s, yes, Esperanza. Esperanza, I remember Esperanza, that. Yeah. Ah. Same, that? Well, same Latin that? word. Wow, okay. Spanish for hope. All right. Uh, at the same time, we are running a promotion with you. Uh, if, if anybody wants to get in on this with Toscano, is uh, buy any of the packs, two packs, and we, you give them one free. Buy two, get one free, which is an unbelievable deal. And uh, Barry, what do they do? Just go to just go to the uh, cigarauthority.com. There'll be a graphic on the right hand side. You click that; it'll take you to twoguyscigars.com. And if you buy two, uh, we'll add the third one for free. Or if you select three yourself, the third one will automatically be discounted to zero. Uh, the lesser value of the of the three that you buy, and uh, you'll get that at no charge. Yeah, put Italian in uh in the comment section and we'll know you you heard it on the show anyway but uh no matter what we're going to do it for you anyway so pick out three one of them's going to be for free or pick out two and we'll pick the third one out for you uh and these are the cigars that you want to have during a time like this in the event that you can't get out to the shop you don't have to worry about humidification you can just ah. have, them, have them in your car and there we go yeah thanks jonathan that's that's 100 percent valid um Michael, we're thinking about you and, and everybody there in Italy, uh, as we are everybody in our country, ourselves too. But thank you for the update, and hopefully we get even better news with you next week. We'll tune in the same time, same station next week with you. Yes, sir. We appreciate the, this opportunity. And, hey, by the way, congrats to all of you on the 10-year anniversary. I next week. Yeah. 10 years. Congrats. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. We'll okay. See you Ciao. 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 Michael Capolini. Well, there we go. That's Michael Capolini from Toscano Cigars. Uh, they got it. They got a rough there in Italy, and uh, we got a rough here too. So uh, we'll, we'll get through it the best we can. Uh, we have a cigar that uh, we passed out to everybody here. You don't know what the cigar is. It is, I would say, it is a square box press cigar. It's it's almost square completely. Uh, it looks like a Toro. It maybe is a fifty oh, ring no, gauge. It's not a Toro. No way. What do you it's, think this is? Six like inches? A, this is like, well, first off, it, it's about six inches, but it's it's more like, what, a 46 ring gauge, 48 ring gauge cigar? I, I always have a hard time when it comes to a... Well, a, because a, it's pressed. Yeah. So the press makes it very difficult. So I don't know what was marked on the box, but I think if you were just holding it in your hand as a typical, you know, round pareo, you would say this is probably closer to a 46, 47 ring gauge. All right. So you're thinking Corona? I, corona these terms border. have been so bastardized now. Who knows what anything is? <laughs> Uh, Ed, Ed Sullivan, it should be a size you like. From a ring gauge perspective, usually a little shorter cigar. It looks like me, a dark cigar. No, it's definitely Connecticut Broadleaf. Okay. I mean, you can tell that. All right. <laughs> no, I can't, but okay. <laughs> you can definitely tell that. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo, the brand, while all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. There's excellence. a subtle floral component on the cold draw. I got a little floral on the foot too, Barons. I agree 100% with Barry. No, I do not. This is so unfair. <laughs> What's unfair about it? We do it all the time. Yeah, we give each other cigars constantly. 
We're going to light our cigar today with the Vertigo Sputnik. Vertigo Sputnik features a flip top, or as we discussed earlier, single action ignition. All three jets fueled by the patented Vertigo big-ass tank. you got an easy adjustment wheel at the bottom and double wall protection at the top so the lighter does not heat up no matter how long you keep it lit. The Vertigo Sputnik retails for $9.99. Ed Sullivan, we're going to go late today. There's no doubt about it. Is there going to be any problem with us going on too, too long? Uh, not for me. All right. I got nowhere else to go. Right. <laughs> Nobody does, so I guess this is perfect. The longer I'm here, the less chance there'll be a homicide at home. Ooh. Ah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, she finally bought that gun, huh? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking, uh, like, uh, we're keeping Barry safe, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Steve, looking at the cigar, well-made. Here's the problem. Now I wish we hadn't talked at all. <laughs> <laughs> because there is something that is so characteristic about this cigar that you already know what it is as soon as you smoke it. Said, so don't do it because you'll ruin it for everybody now if you, if, if you got it that friggin' fast. But the thing is, you don't even need to smoke it to know what it is. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I think that if you were just really a really observant smoker, just watching this cigar be smoked, you know what it is. That's very yeah. interesting. The amount of smoke coming off of it. Might the, color of, the color of the smoke. So the everybody's got burns. this already? That's amazing to me. <laughs> so do, do I blow it right off the bat? Go ahead. What do you got? I will say, though, this is really unfair of you to do this. <laughs> I, I'm, I, you know, you, Hang on. So Dave's the by, dick? By what Dave he, is the dick. Well, right. By what he's saying, he actually knows what this is. And that, that's Steve, why I don't, like I said, swore off something in 2013, was And like I said, I wish. Unfucking believable. And, I, you know, and even though it was blind, I'm going to admit, I, I kind of had a little bit of a hint from the way the conversation was going because everyone was being a little coy. But it's very evident what this is if you smoke. If you've smoked a lot of this cigar, you know just looking at it what it is. What is it? Just look at the way the smoke is burning off this, the foot of this cigar. I know you know what it is. You know what it is. All your staff knows what it is. People that smoke the cigar knows what it is. But it's box-pressed. Okay, so great. I squashed the cigar. What does that do? I mean, it doesn't change the way it burns. doesn't change the... I mean, look at the color of that smoke. And why is the smoke that color? Um, you know, everybody has different techniques that they use in fermentation. Um, so, you know, and certain things you can tell what they are just by the way they burn or the way they smoke or the color of the smoke because it's very characteristic to their particular factory because of the way they work a particular tobacco. I always said that this cigar smokes itself. And yeah. look at the color of the of the smoke and everything that you're saying. So this is uh, a Liga Pavada, obviously. And um, this is something I never had before, a box press one, because it says on it... Um, Drew Estate Lounge. It's the lounge yeah. exclusive, or it's the uh, what's the league of Providum drawing a blank where you're uh, you're an exclusive store. Uh, a unit. Oh, uh, whatever. It's, yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one drawing a blank. <laughs> yeah, now. look, I, I haven't been. In, look, I don't even know if they had the name at the time. I mean, we Drew had, Diplomat. We had Drew. Like the Drew Diplomat program didn't exist when I was right. there. Okay, so that came after me. This came after me. I think they released wow. this in what they 2015 is when they released this cigar. I think. It so, might have been a year after that. All right, so I'm not going to beat you, I'm not going to beat you up anymore to it, so that you 
try to get you what to you were trying to do yeah. is you were trying to snooker me into saying either really great things or really bad things correct is <laughs> correct. what you were trying <laughs> to you, do but you got it and anyway. you also you basically <laughs> you, now, you, I am. you basically have now also put me in a position of where i have very diplomatically for five years no more than that seven years not smoked a single cigar produced after a certain date correct and you have now basically ruined it Hoodwinked me into Correct. doing this, but he did that without knowing that you hadn't smoked one before. That's right. And by the he way, let that, I, I didn't know during the show when he ended up saying, "No, that. no, no." He, Jewish he, state labels this as a six by fifty. Okay, and, I, and, and look, and, and I what, said Toro six by fifty. How perfect was I? Is it Toro six by fifty, or is that a? Is that a? I don't even know anymore. I give up. Six by fifty. It's a Toro fifty. Well, if it was a seven by fifty four, it'd be a double Corona. Everyone knows that. Unless it's Cuban, then it would be what? Seven and five eighths by 49 is a classic Cuban double yeah, Corona. We, did, we went through that you know last I mean? week. So, yeah, we went through that with the Churchills, which were right. always 47s. Uh, yeah, Cuba. classic Churchills used to be seven by 47. Yep. You know, so is this a short Churchill being a six by 50? I don't know. I got to agree with you. Yeah, then they came and then to when the, you, And then when you box press it, and that's the other thing too, is when you put the dimensions on the box for a box press, some makers put the size like i put the size that we made it in the round mold that this is the size of the mold but then when you press it depending on how tightly you press it you can drop that ring gauge by as much as you know two to four ring gauges yeah. you know i'll tell you this is box press hard too yeah. that you wouldn't think the draw was yeah this is a, this is a really firm trunk press yeah i mean it's it's got that real quadrado kind of squarish shape to it it's uh I mean, this this is this is definitely a heavy press cigar, and a heavy body yeah, this, to this it, cigar. It's full body. So now this, you know, I said the last cigar was medium. But do you notice how this the, is full? The pepper is already dropping off a bit. When you had that first initial light, it was it was peppery. super yep. peppery in the nose, and now even just what I'm all about half an inch, not even into it, and that and that pepper is already softening a bit. Drops from black pepper to white pepper. I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, let's find out what's up in the cigar world with Barry Stein. It's time for What's, what's up? up in the Cigar World, brought to you by Recluse Cigars. You want to know what's up? Recluse Cigars is what's up. Voted the 2015 Cigar of the Year is the Recluse Amadeus Reserva Habano. Every Recluse cigar goes through eight, count them, eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years. They are box-pressed and rolled end to bar for a perfect draw every, every time. time. If you haven't done it yet, be sure to try a Recluse cigar today. And this week, the TAA officially canceled the 2020 TAA. And in other TAA news, the association names Joe Arundel the new president, and they announced the 2021 TAA will take place at Casa de Campo in La Romana, Dominican Republic, from April 11th to the 15th. I don't know whether to congratulate Joe or offer my condolences. I know, right? I, I mean, Joe. Uh, Joe's a longtime retailer from uh, up in the Pacific Northwest. Good guy. So uh, my best he, of luck he, to he's him. He's Washington State. He's a fighter, too. Yeah, man. no, he's, a, he's, yeah. He, he's definitely an advocate. He yeah. always has been. So, And the CRA and PCA have petitioned the FDA to postpone the May 12th substantial equivalence due to COVID-19. The petition has asked for a six-month extension. Nicaragua has joined the list of countries that have closed down cigar factories in response to the virus, and it's trickled down to a degree as La Flor Dominicana has laid off some of their reps in areas hit hardest. And some of you may have heard the news about New Hampshire issuing a stay-at-home, 
Please note, care packages are still shipping, and for the foreseeable future, twoguyscigars.com is open, and we will continue to ship on our normal shipping schedule. And uh, the stores are open, too. We're going to keep the stores open. They call it uh, curbside service, Mm. which means pull up to the door. The phone number's right on the door. Give us a call. Yeah, that's and not gonna... a bad service. I know a retailer in Miami that his entire business model is based on curbside service. Really? Yeah. Period. Always was. Yeah. Uh, Billy owns a shop in downtown Miami. I'm sorry, Billy. I can't remember the name of the shop, but uh, but his one of his things is that uh, he has no parking. He's in downtown Miami. Consumers call him up and they send him a text or they honk a horn. He runs their credit mm. card before they get there and he just walks out and hands it to him through the door, the window of their car. Watch. The, the innovation that happens and the change, the world we live in today, that's going to be changed a couple months from now. And I think colleges are in trouble, to be honest with you. A lot of things are going to end up changing the way they were uh, coming forward. Keep going, Barry. All right, that's what's up in the that's cigar it. world. And oh. the, the shop you're talking about is called Smoke Shop, downtown Miami. Thank you. It gets very, no wonder very why simple. I right, that's why I can't remember the name. <laughs> how, how creative, Smoke Shop. Uh, next week, the Cigar Authority's 10-year anniversary. Um, on April 4th, we were planning a big event in store for that with food and drinks and all kinds of stuff. And unfortunately, we are on a lockdown of we can't have a studio audience. So um, the show must go on. We will have a show, and we'll celebrate another time. Uh, more cake for us. More cake. We will eat cake. <laughs> I, and what I will say to uh, about Dave is he said, fuck this diet. I'm eating that cake. I'm eating the cake. Uh-huh. No one else is here. I'm eating the cake. <laughs> Um, April 11th, um, we have an exclusive Zeno product coming out, uh, made for New Hampshire, and um, we planned on having Fernando and Mike up. I have not heard back of a no, but there's I'm, no way. There's no way, right? There's no way. Uh, but the show must go on, and the cigars have arrived, so we'll launch that product then. The following week, April 18th, Rocky Patel will zoom into us. Uh, not on location, but he's going to come into us, and uh, we'll have him on the show and. Um, See what that what's going on with Rocky Patel cigars with the man himself, and uh, we'll move on from there. I got a whole calendar of great events coming up, but they're all changing as, uh, as this week changed. Yep. And Steve was nice enough to come in and fill in, which was great. And you decided to screw me by doing that. Uh, <laughs> you know what? What I don't understand is so this is what about uncomfortable questions. That's the show. Yeah. So I know that like what, two or three weeks ago, you promised on the after show, you were going to tell us your decision about whether you were going to attend PCA or not. And I've been watching for that after show. And I think you missed the deadline for that. I I would like an extension on that. Really? Uh, Well, first off. You'd like a COVID-19 extension. Oh, COVID-19. Because (laughs) is the show going to happen? Well, who cares? That doesn't mean whether you decide, look, I'm going to the show if the show happens. There you go. It was very simple. I don't know if I'm going to get on a plane, depending on where we're at. Do, do I want to fly down there and okay, go to Las okay. Vegas? If it's safe to travel and the show is attending, I will be attending the show. Okay, take that tack. That's a simple answer. All right. Wow, look at the guy who's been dodging questions <laughs> for a fucking hour. But his trying fo- to hold his you to the fire. follow-up is much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If... Well, we got an after show today. Maybe you could take it up on that. All right. We're going to take it up on the after show. You're going to stay on for the after I'll show? I'll stay on the after Because I've been waiting for you this for a while. while. I mean, All right. The after show. Are you going to give him an answer I if will he give, stays on? I'm going to give a definitive answer right. on the show. So that show is, comes out on Wednesday. Yeah. Well, and that's a good. Oh, but I'll, but I'll know today. You'll know today. So I can post it. You could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be return fire for him making you smoke that. 
Um, FDA thoughts, you briefly touched into it. How are you feeling about it? Are you Look, feeling- I'm incredibly uneasy. I mean, I'm like every other small company. I mean, I'm, I'm prepping my substantial equivalency applications. I'm doing it a little bit blind. I obviously can't fill them out the way they want them to be filled out because there's a lot of things in there that uh, just really don't apply to our product. Yeah. They never gave us any set of standards for premium handmade cigars. They never gave us any standards in HBHC testing. And the part that, of course, I'm struggling with is even for a little company like me, just doing the initial filings is going to be somewhere between 65 and 80K in legal expenses. And, you know, I'm now going to have to come up with an extra 80K when I'm basically selling no cigars as a result yeah. of the current situation with C19. And guess what? My attorneys aren't in their offices right now. They're kind of all shuttered to and a degree. And I don't think the FDA is, um, is uh, putting a lot of – they got other fish but to the fry But the FDA, right before now. even this situation occurred, it announced that we were already the lowest priority and they yeah. weren't going to enforce it. So now I'm, asked, I'm being asked to comply with regulations that make no sense, that they've never given us any guidance on, that we really can't do right, and we have to do it by this deadline. And, oh, by the way, when you do it, we're not going to pay any attention to them, and we're not going to enforce them. Well, thank you for making me go through a lot of misery and a lot Money. of expense yeah. for absolutely no reason whatsoever. It's the whole – from, from jump, this process has been ludicrous. But if you don't do it, you're screwed. I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Obviously, well, I'm going to gamble. Obviously, I'm going to do it. Yeah. What choice do I have? But at the same time, am I happy about it? Do I feel that it's right? Do I feel it's justifiable? Do I feel there's a purpose in it? No, I feel as though my government is basically, I don't, you know what? Just makes me want to load another AK-47. So let's, let's walk on from this topic. <laughs> All right, let's get to the matchup of the week brought to you by VS. VS means versus, but it stands for Victor Sinclair Cigars. Uh, would you rather give up all drinks except water? Or give up eating anything that was cooked in the oven. <laughs> Ooh. I'll give up something cooked in the oven. Of course I'm, you would. I just got your cigar garbage with, uh, or cigar garbage as you call it. I took two flasks. Right. I'm not going to fill that yeah. with water. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't like turkey, so I'm not going to miss out on turkey. And it could be cooked in There's an iron cast skillet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm out with the oven. I'm Oven's out. No pizza. No well, pizza well, ever. Pizza you could do it oven, on a grill. Yeah, you can do pizza on a grill. You do pizza on a flat top. You could. I mean, yeah. you do pizza on the grill. Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think they, giving they up the I think giving up pots. the oven is the easiest. I would far. have to. I would have to do a little bit of experimentation. I've never cooked a pizza on a flat top. I have a flat top. It's something that I'm going to have to do to see if that's doable. But I got to give you an answer now. <sighs> I like coffee too much, man. That's, that's the only thing on me is I coffee because like, like, all I drink is water. Well, well I can tell you right coffee. now, I pretty much drink whiskey, coffee, water, and unsweet iced tea. Those are like the three things that I drink. I don't even like water. But you'd give up the oven. I would give up the oven because I don't want to give up those other three. Well, I can't drink scotch? Does Good it, God. Why not just does end it my life the microwave now? oven or we're talking traditional oven? Uh, microwave is an oven too. Yeah, I'd cook everything on a stovetop anyways. I think I'm fine. I could give up the oven and not have to give up the coffee. I mean, yeah. here's a question. If you could only cook using one thing, what would be the one thing? If you, if you said, hey, here's a limit. You can only cook in one way. For me, it wouldn't it'd be, the be microwave. It'd be the grill. Yeah, it'd be flat. For flat me, it's the grill. grill. The yep. grill would be the thing. If I had to just yeah. say, okay, one thing, you're only allowed to cook this way. The grill's the one that wins. How about you, Ed? Oh, I'm giving up the oven. What do you drink? Oh, Diet, Diet Coke, coffee? <laughs> sure. 
Yeah. You, you want to have those options. And, yeah. you, you know, you've got other options. Not to mention, you've got to clean oven. the oven all the time. It's a pain in the ass. Oh, I, I may give it up anyway. cleaning now. All right, I guess it's push I, a button. I, I thought it would be a lot tougher besides uh, such a Barry. such a line there. I thought Barry for <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, the oven cleaning so hard. <laughs> chick, 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 chick. Walk, come back five hours <laughs> later. <laughs> come on. I've set, I've set the smoke alarm off too many times with that technique. <laughs> all right, so what do you think of the cigar? You know what it is. It's the pepper has returned considerably. I want, I want um, Steve's. Yeah, see, you're us. putting me in a terrible position. Correct. With That's this. I was trying the to save you, Steve, about. but I'll tell you what. I listen. You, you, you were the president and CEO of the company that comes across your, your desk, and what I do think, you say? Yeah. I think it could be improved. Could be improved. But that's my personal perspective, yeah. and somebody else, I'm sure, said not it was for per, Not for your personal consumption, but to put out there in the market. Well, you've got to understand that every cigar that ends up in a box, I basically am saying that I love it. I don't try to sell anything that I don't love. The Cuba Cubas? Oh, but that's a different situation. We're okay. talking about what I do now and what we did with Liga Pravada. You're the president of the state. I mean, you know, and you got to understand, it's, it's different. But this, I mean, one of the things that's really, you see, this cigar is burning so hot. I mean, I can't even hold it. It's burning so hot. Because it's box press, you think? No, there's, there's other reasons for it. But I, uh, you're not going to... You know what? Leave me alone. All I don't right. even care anymore. <laughs> you know, you've already... Are you getting you've uncomfortable already, yet? Well, look, you've already made me break a promise <laughs> that I, you know... That you, you made know, to yourself. That yeah, I mean, you didn't know what this was. It's I know, a, but I made that promise to everybody. So, I mean, you've already kind of screwed me there. Have you not done enough damage already? It's kind of right. like giving a white claw to a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. I feel like I've done... What I came here to do. <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> All right, let's take a break. When we come Can back. Can I mention how overpriced the advertising is on this radio program? It like is. It. So listen to these advertisers <laughs> and prove him wrong and buy a box of everything you're about to hear. We're going to take a peek into the asylum, and Steve's most hated segment is coming up also. We're live from the Toscano <laughs> better. Cigar Sound. You're listening to the Cigar with Authority on the United Podcast Network. Let's talk a little about Rough Rider Cigars. So here is where the motorcycle culture meets Cigar Nation. This badass looking cigar uses the name Rough, but delivers a smooth as silk ride each and every time. Even before lighting one, you can't help but notice it's sweet like honey flavor. Smooth and creamy, resembling slightly sweetened butter. Outstanding! The Rough Rider Cigar is so beautiful in so many ways. We're talking a premium cigar, imported, long filler cigar, but wait till you hear the price. Every cigar is in the $3 price range, that's right. Even the Churchill in the 6x60, every cigar is in the $3 price range. Rough Rider Cigars, there's nothing rough about Rough Rider except the name. Rough Rider Cigars. The following message is brought to you by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars in the new Drew Diplomat app. Join me, Barry Stein, from the Cigar Authority on Drew Diplomat. As you know, I am quite partial to Liga Pavada Number 9 from Drew Estate. So join me for a Liga and share your experience with Drew Estate. And while you're at it, don't forget to check into Two Guys Smoke Shop on the Drew Diplomat app. Drew Diplomat is now available for the iPhone and Android. To learn more about Drew Diplomat, visit Drew 
DrewDiplomat.com. That's DrewDiplomat.com. You must be at least 21 years of age or older and a resident of the United States, including D.C. To be eligible for membership in this program, other terms and conditions apply. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Since 1903, when La Aurora Cigars first opened their doors as the first cigar factory of the Dominican Republic, they have defined Dominican cigar manufacturing. Now, La Aurora continues that innovation with La Aurora Dominican DNA, featuring an exceptional blend whose soul is the Andullo. La Aurora pays tribute to the oldest Dominican tobacco process with a cigar that features tobacco that is part of their heritage and their DNA. The La Aurora DNA features this hard-to-work tobacco that brings the unique characteristics of strength, inspiring aroma, and sweetness that creates an exceptional smoking experience that only La Aurora can bring you. Experience La Aurora Dominican DNA with its Cibao Valley Dominican wrapper, an authentic Cameron binder from Africa with fillers from the Dominican Republic, Pennsylvania, Nicaragua, and Anduyo. Available at top retailers like twoguyscigars.com and is distributed in the United States by Miami Cigar and Company. Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake, Jose Dominguez. Not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, nobody's going to take away your donuts. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more. It's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Legendary brand opens a new chapter in its storied history with the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. The nearly 175-year-old H. Upman brand in collaboration with storied cigar maker A.J. Fernandez bring a medium to full-bodied, sweetly balanced, and yet complex smoking experience. Boasting an Ecuador Sumatra wrapper, this cigar produces incredible aromas and nuances of sweet spices. Today, almost 175 years later, the legacy of H. Upman lives on a brand new take on an age-old brand. Handcrafted in Esteli, Nicaragua by Cigar Master A.J. Fernandez. Available in four sizes, priced under $9. A legendary brand opens a new chapter in its storied history with the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. This is Rafael Nodal from Agent Room Cigars and Tabacalera USA. You're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. 
Raphael. We just had the aging room. Pura Sepa. Nicaraguan Puro, 100%. Great cigar. We're back. We're smoking what I thought would be blind, and I'd be playing with this through uh, the rest of the show of them trying to guess it, but there was, uh, there was no doubt uh, what that was. But uh, you uh, made a big stink online that, that, uh, that you wanted a trophy. Absolutely. I deserve so, a trophy. So we have a trophy. Those that are watching, this is the meatball trophy, and uh, it's a perpetual. You bring it back every year, and on there is your name on the on the side of it. Oh, yeah. This of, is, is going to look great in the mantle of my bedroom. I, I my wife is going to love yeah. this. She's I said, gonna... what is the most ob- obnoxious um, trophy I could possibly find? And that was it. Yeah, you did a great job Thank on the you. obnoxious fact. Yeah. you got to bring it back so that when I kick your ass next year. Dude, you've gotten the last two years in a row. Just take the hint. That's true. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> Save some dignity. Right. It's because I keep trying to make a good meatball. <laughs> Well, you're yeah, failing. I, I, I was gonna say you got the trying part down. <laughs> so uh, passing this back to the end, so it's okay. Uh, get I want to knock way. it out of our. Yeah, yeah, you can't break that <laughs> meatball yeah. trophy over here. I still got it on the, the camera shot. Mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you think is going to happen after this is all over when it comes to cigar prices? Do you think prices will escalate? Do you think they'll go down? Is this going to have a supply and demand issue that's going to go on? We already had a glut in the market. We already had prices crashing on a lot of brands. Yeah. I mean, this was happening before this situation. So I don't see why in any way I would think that this would stop that pattern. Now, I think there's certain companies that are better at managing their inventory and not overproducing. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to be as price affected initially. The question's going, and look, this is a question I was already dealing with separate of the, the C-19 situation. I see these prices on these main legacy brands that have tremendous history and a tremendous consumer base. And I see where their prices are going. And here I am saying, wow, you know, I'm basically making cigars that, you know, they're not like crazy expensive, but they're a little bit more expensive I mean, I may have a real problem on my hand. I was already thinking that before that. So I have a feeling that, yeah, it's going to put more price pressure in the marketplace. I think for, you know, consumers, there's going to be a lot of deals out there. What I'm hoping for, and this is me selfishly hoping, is that there's enough consumers that can appreciate the difference between a wide variety of products that they will still purchase at a certain price point that's necessary to make that product. And you're going to see that. You're going to see certain products... I don't think that Padron is going to start saying, how can I make a 1926 for less? Yeah. I'm not going to say, how can I make a Sin Compromiso for less? I don't see Arturo for But would you eat some of your profit margin away to run promotions to the retailer, to run promotions to the consumer, or anything like that? It's not like we have that much profit margin to begin with. I, I think... I think people are very delusional about the cigar business. I don't think they understand how difficult it is to actually break even, much less be profitable. I don't think they understand the grind that's involved. I don't think they understand the complexity that's involved. It's one of the reasons why... And when they do that, you end up hurting the brand for its longevity. It doesn't just hurt the brand. It hurts other people's brands, too. Because, I mean, there was a point last year where manufacturers were actually selling cigars to large retailers at a price point that actually cost them physically less than what it was to make and import it. Because they had so much inventory... They were just trying to cash recover, even if they lose some money. That's an unsustainable business model. And it certainly isn't one that helps to uh, protect the quality of a product in any way whatsoever. I, it's just. It's, Do you think we'll see cigar companies 
importing more cigars than what they're going to sell in a year so that they can stem off the next outbreak well, you as know, an insurance policy? Yeah, but Will cigar, you do that? No, okay. I didn't do it as an insurance policy. We had a tremendous year last year. We had a tremendous first two months this year. I had programmed a tremendous more cigars to be produced last year, knowing that my numbers were going to be better this year. And I was doing it because the sales data was suggesting that I needed more cigars. And now I find myself in a situation going, what an idiot I was. I well, wish I had kept my powder dry six, seven, eight months ago. I know you were buying, you know, you were buying too much broadleaf. And you said, oh, my God, I bought all this broadleaf. And then broadleaf got tough to get. And right. another guy with broadleaf and nobody's got it. Right. You know, and look, and it helps you through that yeah. scenario. But it's also, it's a gamble. It's a risk. Of course. I but would, it's, an, it's an educated risk and, and it's gonna, an, insu- an insurance policy. And I think it's going to go the other way. I think companies are going to start to start. They see the, the, the pummeling they took by being in such an overproduction model. And I think they're going to say to themselves, okay, how do we scale this back to a more sustainable it get, level? It automatically got this, scaled back because the factories are closed right now. Right. That helps to scale things back. Yeah. But if, the, if, you're, if you're a company... But the thing is, those factories were already scaling back because we were already laying off people in Nicaragua yeah. at, the, at the end of last year and into the beginning of this year. So these things were already naturally occurring. This is such an upset to the whole ecosystem. And it's not cigars. It's everything. That's the one thing about this particular crisis that is very unique is it's not just affecting the farmers or it's not just affecting the car industry. It's not just affecting the airlines. It's essentially affecting almost every level of the economy, every small business, every large business. And ultimately, it's going to have a huge impact on the government. This $2 trillion package, okay, that's going to come at an expense, okay? And also, the fact that all these people are going to be missing out on all the tax revenue during this period, because if we're not doing the consumer thing that we do, mm. the economy isn't running. Well, they're not skimming off right. the top in the same tax levels. So they're going to have huge tax shortfalls. So they're spending a tremendous amount of money in column A, but in column B, they're actually going to be getting less money than they've ever gotten before. Right. My, right. My this, concern is a, is this is a real mess. Everybody wants to get their check. They don't seem to understand. They're going to have to pay it back through higher taxes later. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm not going to get a check, but I'm going to have to pay the taxes later. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, you it's such a complex situation. Do you... How, do you let the economy just fold upon itself? You don't no, do anything? No, no, you can't. I mean, the long-term damage of that and how it impacts individual families is tremendous. You know, we were talking about decisions that got made. I, you know, I saw Governor Cuomo saying, you know what? Maybe closing the schools in New York City wasn't so smart. You know, now that we're seeing the data, most children yeah. seem to be relatively immune. And by closing the, st- the, the schools, it ended up that a lot of the grandparents ended up being the caregivers. For the kids, because the parents were still working, the schools were closed, yeah. so the kids now go over to the grandparents' house every day, and the grandparents are the ones that are the most susceptible. Yeah, yeah. So you got Isn't the kids, you got the kids who are great little petri dishes of disgustingness, <laughs> yeah. you know, bringing it along with them. They're not feeling the impact of it because their immune systems are so healthy for the most and part. And they no, kill look, grandma. And listen, there's an exception <laughs> to the rule. There are some kids that obviously it's having a detrimental impact yeah. because overall grand scheme of things, you know, here it is just two weeks later, they're going, you know what, maybe, maybe that wasn't the best decision. Yeah, but it's it's we are in such uncharted territory. Yeah. We're learning as we go on, so they better make some changes. 
And, and I don't know about shutting down all the businesses either, but we'll see how this pans out. So I gave a call to uh, the Nashua store this week, and Barry answered the phone <laughs> laughing. And he was laughing because he had just wrote the asylum, and he makes himself laugh as he, do, as he does it. So I don't know how this is going to play out or not, but it's time to take a peek into the asylum from our friends at Asylum Cigars. It's time for news from the insane asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true. Or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Take no prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars. With sizes ranging from 4 inches by 44 to the absolutely insane 8 inch by 80. Asylum Cigars. (laughs) I assure you this one is not tongue-in-cheek. New York City's Department of Health is bending over backwards to warn people about the dangers of COVID-19. The agency declared war on both the clockwise and counterclockwise swirl, stating that rim jobs are not safe during the outbreak. So the next time you're at the dinner table, be sure to pass on tossing the salad. And that's not only insane, it's asylum. Proud of yourself there. Yes, I am. That might be the worst one. <laughs> I was afraid tongue-in-cheek was going I know. That was the hint right there. Yeah. Terrible. God. So the after show is Ten podcast. years of this nonsense? Ten Are you years. kidding me? And now we do an after oh show, Oh, my too. God. How is this possible? And it's impossible. Oh, my God. So what are we doing the after show on? I lost track. We're doing the you after gotta show. You've got to ask her, answer a question. Yeah, you've yeah. got to answer Oh, I've got to answer the question, and we'll do some the of the coronavirus. Un- Look, you're the one that said this was a show about uncomfortable questions. You didn't really ask me any really uncomfortable questions. Well, wow. they, they made Dave uncomfortable. That's yeah, what, right. that's what <laughs> Really? They, they did. Okay. You the following be- message was submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com, and it relates to our next segment, the, uh, the offer of the day. Oh, Okay. <clears throat> Hey guys, it's been about four months since my last email. I'm pretending to work from home. I can't figure out how to cook on my charcoal grill. And the world is coming to an end. So let's do something positive and finally have that talk about Ed, the producer guy. Wow. But before we get to that, I would like... This is Nicholas writing, my good friend. He's the one that likes the cowbell better than he likes me. All right. But before we get to that, I would like to say as a proud member of the Rhode Island... Bocce League and captain of my own team. I find Mr. Jonathan's comments from the Sports and Cigars episode utterly uh-huh. disgusting. Absolutely. I do And so. deserving of severe punishment. I agree. Do the right thing, Dave, and put this guy in timeout. Uh-huh. Anyway. What did you say? He was against Bocce. He didn't think it was even not a sport. A, it's not a real sport. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, about this Ed guy. Every week you do that dull offer the day segment, and every week Ed, you, Ed contributes nothing. He never says yes. He never even tries to debate it. He brings nothing. Ed is wealthy, and I can't offer him enough to do anything that he doesn't want to do. Why let him go on this? The legend, Barry Beliveau, makes an effort. The never-going-to-be-a-legend, Mr. Jonathan, makes an effort. But Ed gets a pass. And I'm not taking shots. You know from past emails, I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> yeah, he likes the cowbell better. <laughs> uh, on that Ashholes podcast, he's great. Dave, in case you're not familiar with the ash holes, oh, yeah. it's the $5 gap tooth crack whore of podcasts. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Shots fired. <laughs> Ed does this character, which sort of- This guy's I, right in Rhode Island. I yeah, you him can to tell come he's up. from Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> Ed yeah does we this. can't even let him in if he wanted to go. <laughs> Ed does this character, which is sort of a dumbed down version of himself. He makes nonsense comments and gives wrong cigar ratings. He's really great. 
<laughs> Quick digression. The host of the Assholes, I think his name is Phil or Henry or something like that. Aaron? <laughs> is he gap Talk no. about low energy. He makes Dave seem like a game show host. Wow. He must think he's hosting the Tea with Scones Hour or something. I- I'm a little confused. Why are we bashing another podcast on this podcast? I have no idea. I don't know. But you're choosing to read this. No, see, I'm the common thread. Uh, he's bashing me. Please, oh, okay. somebody read him the definition of enthusiasm. Great guy, though. I'm a fan. Okay. <laughs> this thing is really book length, so you let's suck, wrap it up. but you're okay, pal. <laughs> Dave, do the right thing and make Ed make an effort during the offer segment. Or replace him with Phil or Henry or whatever his name is. As always, love you guys. Aaron. Love the show. Christ, I'm bored. Nicholas from Rhode Island. Uh, Dave, if you were serious about a bocce tournament, bring it to Rhode Island. My social club has two courts and regularly host tournaments. Come on, Dave. Set it up and kick some proceeds to charity. Charities need money. Someone mm. guilt him into doing this. Well, we don't go to so, Rhode Island. You come here. So let me address this. All right. I think it's important. I'm already bored. First off, <laughs> I really appreciate Nicholas taking the time to write to us because his opinion Really means a lot to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, it yeah. does. I mean, he's obviously a bright guy, yeah. but not bright enough to figure out. I think it's outside the realm of his experience that somebody actually has enough money. Right. And it probably exceeds. Why do you just keep digging this hole? Why don't you just say, well, I'm the sound engineer guy. I'm back here working all the it, buttons and switches and slides. It probably. It ain't my job to be the entertainment monkey. The entertainment monkey job is Jonathan's job. No. You know what I mean? Have I, I mentioned that you're a dick? <laughs> I think I did. But in any case, I'm in the fortunate position not to have to suck a dick for 10 bucks. Right. Others <laughs> who remain unnamed. May wow. have to do something like May, that. Yeah. Wow. This social distancing, we get together now and everything goes off the rails. <laughs> so with that, it's time to hear the Don Raphael offer of the day. For $10. Just you? for the record. Brought to you by I John. Clear this. Ed Sullivan just told a customer to suck a dick, right? A listener of the show? For yeah. $10. For $10. $10. Okay. Just want to make sure I understand. Jonathan so, will do it for five. Hell, think, he'll pay you to do so it. So, Steve, I he's not going to be a customer of yours if he's only getting 10 bucks. <laughs> Does that make him gay? He's offering <laughs> oh, Nicholas. God. $10, I think, is what that was. It's time to hear the Don Raphael offer of the day brought to you by Don Raphael Cigars. Everyone has a price. Would you do this? And if so, how much? And we're going to start with Ed Sullivan. Suck it, a dick for it's $10. $10. $10. <laughs> would you suck? To stick your hand in a public toilet of Dave's choosing and flush. $10? The toilet must look clean, and you can wash your hands immediately following... You can't wash your hands immediately following until they've dried completely. Then you can wash your hands. Right. Ten bucks. Right. So this falls. Yeah, I'm going to participate. Yeah. This falls strictly into for ten dollars. Why would I do anything I don't want to do anyway? Yeah, ten dollars isn't going to motivate anyone to do that. There we go. Well, let's see. Barry? Well, well Nicholas, Nicholas may prefer that ten dollars to other alternatives. No, Barry? No. Mr. Jonathan? I think I'd probably do it. There we go. <laughs> Shocker. So there you go. So says the man who would lick a urinal cake. Right. And won't eat a twist. I'm not The, the yeah. toilet looks clean. Right. So you put your hand in, you flush it. Water comes out. Yeah, you, it's relatively clean. There's no poop in there or anything. Yeah. And then so, your hand air dries and you scrub it. So what's the strategy then? Do you so, try to get 
part well, of the flush to go over Why your Why does hand? this even have to be a question? We have a toilet. I have $10. A- after the show, we can make this we real or not it. real. We've done things like this. We've uh, done it. Uh, You're right. in? I'm in. He's in. All right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I would have nickeled me for more money. I would have kind of tried to push me up a little. <laughs> I mean, he got, what did you get, like 30 bucks for retrohaling? Or $60. $60. $60. Yeah. Retro do it for so wait a minute. He retrohales. He wants sixty, but to <laughs> well, basically use his arm as a Q-tip and a <laughs> urinal and a toilet. How that's it, ten bucks. But yeah. it started with twenty bucks, and he said no. And then everybody it was 20, 20, in twenty bucks. And then he he walked away with. 60 I mean, would bucks. you do that for ten bucks? And he almost, no, he almost puked. Would so you do it, it in it. your toilet? So like you have a no, private bathroom. I wouldn't do much for ten dollars. Yeah. I wouldn't do much, but, as Ed wouldn't do much for ten dollars unless no. he was doing it anyway. Right? I might, I might bend over to pick up a ten dollar bill, but beyond that, if I'm Ooh. not doing it anyway, yeah. If Jonathan was behind uh, you, would I, you still bend over to pick up no, ten dollars? No, absolutely okay. not. <laughs> yeah, would you crawl underneath Jonathan, bending over to get the ten dollars? Would you rush to bend? No, to get it? No, I wouldn't. I didn't run across the sales floor. At the trade show for airline tickets to the tr- to the trade show. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't worth it. I started to run, and then I looked, and it was far away, and I just stopped, and I said, <laughs> "I'm not running across the entire convention hall, which right. was the long one." The, I know. And uh, for airline tickets, I'm not oh. doing it. Yeah, because because right. they were saying on the thing, "Oh, you got two minutes and stuff," and I'm like, "Okay," and I start going. They go, "No, no, that's way. what we all want is airline tickets, right? <laughs> not not now, right?" I didn't want them then. So. What we want now is your favorite segment of the show, and this this would be something that could be up for grabs for him to advertise on if he wanted to. It's time for the classic three-way, brought to you by Classic Cigars. It's time for this day in classic history, brought to you by Classic Cigars. Classic Cigars are now the most affordable cigar brand in America. With prices as low as $1.50, this cigar has something for everyone. The Classic Connecticut is light and smooth. The classic Maduro is bold, but never overpowering. The classic Cameroon sits somewhere in between with hints of sweetness. And the classic Cuban is a real knockoff of the taste and flavors from old-time Havanas. Classic cigars are sold in cost-saving bundles of 20 and sold in five great sizes, ranging from $1.50 to $2.25 per cigar, which makes classic the most affordable premium handmade cigar in America. Classic Cigars. And the kid from Rhode Island wants you to sit out on this one, Ed Sullivan. Oh, so, who does the voiceover for that? That was uh, Greg Bogus. I mean, he's, he's, got a, he's got a super sophisticated, ritzy, rich sounding voice. Yeah. Silky smooth. Yeah, we wanted it. And you guys have him doing a bundle cigar. <laughs> there we go. Get him for your Atabay ads, man. <laughs> he sounds like an Atabay guy. Atabay guy. <laughs> I got four questions and one tiebreaker. It's the closest without going over. You're on this, Steve. It's starting with Mr. Jonathan going first. The greatest show on earth, performed by P.T. Barnum and James Anthony Bailey, happened for the first time today. What year? The Barnum and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth, actually, was called. They did a movie about this. 1801. 1801. What do you say, Steve? Wow. I'm going to go 1885. 1885? 1894. 1894. Mr. Jonathan will take the point at 1801. Steve, you were close at 1885. It was 1881. You know what's sad is I listen to this podcast. Why didn't I just say 1802? What an idiot. There we go. Well, y'all going first now. (laughs) And the U.S. Salvation Army officially organized today. 
What year? I'm going to guess uh, 1918. 1918. 1923. 1900. Our Salvation Army could beat the Canadian Army. They could. <laughs> <laughs> and over to you, Barry Stein. Will Chamberlain plays his last pro basketball game today. What year was that? 73. 73, says Mr. John. 1968. 68. I'm going to be smart on this one. I'm going 74. 74 is over. 73 is over. 68 will take it. It was 72. You know, I've been on this program more than probably any other guest. You're right. And I have never won this segment <laughs> once. Because you suck at it. Yes, I do. I suck at this. Mr. Jonathan's two. Steve is zero. Barry's zero. We have one question left and a tiebreaker. Two points if you get it exact. And it's over to you, Steve. The first case of H1N1 swine flu in the United States occurred with two people in California today. Mm. What year was that? How topical are we, huh? Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess, gosh, 2009. 2009? Barry? 2015. 15? It's 2009. Wow. 2009 for two points, which would have tied it, but Mr. Jonathan got it also. Dave, can you check his work? It's written down. Where? It so I, I finally get one right, and I still lose. You still lose because he said the this same number. Such a rig. I can throw this on just for fun. Vince Vaughn, American actor, Swingers Wedding Crashes, born in Minneapolis, Minnesota today. Vince Vaughn. 69. Hmm. Vince Vaughn, I'm going to go 70. No, I'm going to go 73. 62. 70. So Barry would have got that at 69. Oh, man. I am so consistent there we go <laughs> you beat barry though all right we're out of time thank you steve for coming on you're coming on the after show we're going to answer a tough questions from you and uh we're going to give the answer am i going to the trade show if and when and blah 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 we'll get into all that on the after show but next week we celebrate 10 full years as a self-proclaimed the cigar authority we're going to light up reminisce of the past we're going to pat ourselves on the back and plan for our future and we got cake and you can't come <laughs> until then you've been listening to the cigar authority on the united podcast network and uh, it's quite possible you learned nothing else in the last two hours but always remember to keep the lid end out of your mouth wash your hands The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.